friends and welcome to episode 580 of Chair Shop Podcast. We are back after a bit of a brief like end of summer break. Um, we're back for the season premiere of, uh, what is it now, season 12 or season 13, Chair Shop Podcast. We've been renewed, we, we're back. Um, we're not yet joined by Mr. Barry Murphy because I believe he still doesn't have any broadband. Uh, he's uh, completely 4G dependent, 5G dependent. Um, but I'm back with I'm back with Paul. We're both back from some trips. Hello. We're back to uh, discuss what's been going on in the last couple of weeks. Before we start, I'm going to say we are changing the format up a little bit this week. After eight years, we decided like, the show could do with a bit of a, a very small refresh. We're still going to be talking about wrestling, a bit of you know life updates a bit of movie bit of tv but we're gonna start with the news we're gonna start with the kind of four or five biggest things that have happened in the last week whether that be wrestling entertainment our lives or whatever else and then we're gonna get into into the reviews of the different things we've watched Uh, i'd say though i just now after we've had our pre you know call production meeting uh realizing we we didn't come up with wacky names for the news and reviews uh news guff no we have to move on (laughs) guff is being retired we're not i'm guff and i've had enough we're not using guff anymore news uh stuff how about that Ooh, i like it i like it uh newsy poos and reviewsy poos um We'll think we'll come up with a name, but for now it's news and reviews and with, a, with occasional uh, little quiz as a little kind of sorbet in the middle just to refresh your palate in between the, the news and reviews. But uh, yeah, this is, this, we're going to see how this works and we'll see when Barry comes back. Uh, I'm sure he won't care either way. But He's not really got a say in it. He's, he's, this is what it is uh, now and if he doesn't like it. Oh. you got, you know, 90% of success is showing up, so... Sorry, Barry. We're taking over. So let, let's jump straight in, Paul. Paul, let's jump straight into the news. Yes. Um, I think biggest story of the week. Uh, well, in wrestling, anyway. Uh, obviously, the Queen died. That's probably the, globally the biggest story of the week. Um, not that I'm laughing, obviously. I'm just oh, it's very sad, but, but we'll get we'll get to that. But the biggest news story of the week is, of course, the f- the fallout from All Out, the press conference from Hell as they're calling it, or the, uh, the, the the second pipe bomb. That's what I think I'm calling it. World War pipe bomb. Um, it is, of course, see, post All Out, um, they had the usual media scrum, and CM Punk, in what seemed to be a very kind of calculated way, like he, it wasn't off the cuff, like I think he, he wanted to go in and say this, right. unleashed a... Tirade. Uh, a tirade, yes, a tirade, a torrent of uh, abuse, basically, accusations and abuse at Hangman Page, The Bucks, Kenny Omega, Colt Cabana, the company in general, it seemed like he was he was very angry with. Um, and Tony Khan, of course, was sat next to him the whole time, looking like a bit of a twat, if we're honest, because what, you know, you're the boss of this company and you've got your main your main star just like going off on one and you don't really do anything. You just kind of sat there looking like George Bush on 9-11, you know, reading the children's book. Oh, uh, getting whispered uh, in his ear. Yeah, like, uh, Tony, there's a pipe bomb being dropped right now. And it's like, okay. Um, so what did you make of it? Did you 
wait until after you'd watched the pay-per-view? Did you hear about it before? What, what, how did you come across it? I Well, let me first put into context. So we, we've been off for two weeks. This mm-hmm. is our first podcast mm-hmm. since August because I was on my holiday bops in Italy until the 6th of September. So this is the first ever AEW pay-per-view mm. event I didn't watch live. Wow. I didn't even watch it the following day. I watched it on the Tuesday, uh, somehow totally spoiler-free. And uh, we watched it, and we said, oh, that was an okay show. We'll, we'll obviously, we'll cover the show later. Mm. And then I opened up Twitter to utter chaos. Uh, and that's on on the Tuesday. I, I was... I feel like I was existing for two days in a world outside of reality where yeah. everybody knows about this complete uh, <gasps> disaster that's happened that I was just yeah. blissfully unaware of going, hmm, I really hope that MJF might come back or Adam Cole <laughs> on the peak. Um, but when I went, you know, I've, I obviously heard about it then, went straight to YouTube to watch the uh, press mm-hmm. conference. CM Punk sitting there with his... his um, now longer hair, sweat, sweaty hair, greasy, loose, wet. greasy across his face, caked in blood, eaten like muffins. Yeah, he did look just, like someone who'd like been beaten up in the street and was just sitting there like, oh, fuck it, yeah, he's a gun. You're yeah. Um, like, obviously very angry, first and mm. foremost. Um, and this reminds me of uh, a recent case with Eddie Kingston and Sammy Guevara where it seems like a little communication would go a long way mm-hmm. in resolving these issues before they you know build and build and build and erupt mm-hmm. you know we had recently the the Eddie and Sammy thing where uh what Sammy Guevara called him fat in a promo or something and yeah Kingston took 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 offense to that and obviously Punk in in his um, press conference speech there made reference to Hangman Page going into business for himself, which meant that he had to go into business for himself. Yeah, and uh, so so one of the main takeaways I took from this, obviously aside from the fact that CM Punk was coming off like a complete crazy man, yeah, um, was that maybe Tony Khan uh, needs to rein in a little bit the utter freedom that people seem to have on the microphone on on his televised products you know mm. um obviously you know as longtime aw fans since the beginning mm-hmm. you know we can appreciate that when you let somebody go out on the mic with with the bullet points they have and they're they're properly equipped as far as you know being a good promo goes that's when you get the gold that's where you get the really good the really good stuff especially sometimes if there's a hint of reality to it but maybe there needs to be a, a certain level of preparation in terms of, let's say, Punk and Hangman, for example. Mm. They're going to have to do a promo with each other. They're going to be antagonistic, but they should kind of, number one, maybe run by your the other person, maybe what you're going to say. Or number two, um, given that this is uh, ultimately, at the end of the day, a televised uh, fictional world and story, um, to maybe not go into business for yourself and, and make references to things that are yeah irrelevant to what you're seeing on screen. It's kind of like an, if you're doing like a comedy improv show, you know, there's a freedom to it. You're not you're not scripting it, but I'm not going to go. 
oh, by the way, Paul, you, you're getting a bit fat. You know, I mean? like, I'm not going to go to anything very, like, personal and, and you know, damn it, that wouldn't be acceptable yeah. in any kind of creative endeavor. And I, I don't really know what the process is at the moment, to what extent, when the guys get together, they know they have a promo segment, so say it's like Eddie and CM Punk. They know they're going to do a segment together. Does the producer get involved in in that? Is it just up to the two of them to go away and talk about it? Do they even always talk about like we don't really know what that is? It could yeah. be nothing. It could be produced, but I think it needs to be treated like a match. It needs to have a producer and say, right, what are you going to talk about in this segment? I'm not scripted here. We don't have writers, but you know we have stories. We know we, we need you know bullet points. We need to know what's going on. It needs some level of production. I think maybe, and this is another area that was discussed during the week is kind of the delegation. Because Tony's some such a control freak, and he actually said on the Wrestling Observer interview, like it's the only way to run the business is to be to control like everything from top down, and that's the only way it would work. And it's as there is some truth to that. You look at the Vince McMahon example, like he was involved in everything from top to bottom, mm. but he also delegated. You know, he had road agents who were, who were putting together the matches, and he had a Pat Patterson or you know those kind of creative minds to do that thing. He wasn't he wasn't doing everything. So, yeah, I, I think we've gotten to a point. It was probably fine when it was all friends wrestling and everyone liked each other and they'd all hired each other because mm. no one's going to say anything out of line because it's their friend. You know, they know where the lines are. When you start bringing in big personalities like a Kingston or a Punk or you know, others, that's when you run the risk that someone's going to say something untoward because they're not friends. You know, maybe they don't like each other and that's fine. You know, you don't have to like the person you're working with, but if you're then being given free reign to say anything, that's, yeah, it's a recipe yeah. for disaster. Um, well, one point to make on that is uh, a book I read, which is a review of which is forthcoming mm. later today, Brian Govertz's, uh There's Just One Problem With That, which I've read over the last mm. two weeks. Um, he makes reference in that to the Rock and Cena program between WrestleMania 27, 29. Yeah. That apparently when they went out to do their promos, there was very little interaction between the two of them. Right. Um, it wouldn't be the case that, you know, Cena would tell The Rock in advance, here's what I'm going to say, or vice versa. But at the same time, those guys were, or I'm going to be casting aspersions here, but those guys were professional enough to realize that this is a, a wrestling promo in the context of getting fan interest mm. and selling tickets and, uh, that you know, I don't really hate the other person. This is nah. we're, we're we're working here, brother. Um, so I think there's an element of that to it where <laughs> CM Punk backstage sees Hangman make a reference to whatever it was the the atmosphere backstage, and he's just fucking stewing on it. He doesn't mm-hmm. maybe approach Hangman backstage and say, "Hey, you know that thing you mentioned out there is? Do you really feel that way? Do you feel strongly?" Or he just you know internalizes it. Uh, and and let's it then he 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 did that bizarre hangman call out the other week, um, yeah. And secondly, you know, I've worked with many people who I didn't get on with at all. I mm. guess you could say who I hated, Joe. Uh, <laughs> never did it get to the point where I was uh, swinging punches uh, no. at anybody. Mm. Um, and I think that's the thing as well is. When you have people who don't get on, um, and who are doing, uh, let's call them shoot promos on each other, maybe 
there's a, a time to get people into a room and, and just remind everybody that this mm. is this is uh this is not it's the fake. ufc and yeah it's a work it's a work it's here to make money yeah so yeah. um sure everyone's kind of seen the promo by now or at least you know seeing the, the key points well, of it not the not the promo the the press con- well, well which turned yeah. into a promo more of a promo yeah so that apparently so there was a guy in the front row who was apparently someone that had worked with colt cabana in the past yeah. and punk <laughs> it was so funny because he clearly had his like narrative in mind of oh are you a friend of colt you're a friend of scott colton the other yeah. weird thing was the I don't know which one you listened to, but the audio was off. On it, the official yeah, thing. his voice was weird. His voice was really fucking low, like this. And Dave Meltzer came on, and Meltzer sounded like the devil himself. <laughs> um, it was made, it was really I did a surreal level to it, but yeah, he clearly had this guy in mind, and whatever the guy said, you know, he was going to go off on one. So I kind of assume he's been stewing on it, yeah, since before he got injured. He's he's been planning this. I kind of wonder if the injury. Um, the other thing to talk about, of course, he it seems like he he's tore his tricep. Again. Yeah, yeah, during the ma- early in the match, and he's going to be out for even longer. Talking like seven, eight months, which is even without this, that was a, that was going to be a huge blow. I mean, maybe it's a blessing in disguise now with what happened. But I wonder if that kind of played into his thinking, like he was f- just fucking pissed off that he was going to be injured again, and it was almost like he needed to take it out on someone. Uh, maybe just the adrenaline and everything. It's just like. Maybe he was going to bring it up, but it maybe wouldn't have been as bad. I don't know. It's going to be speculate, but that was my yeah. Sort of I mean, feeling on it. but then he came off to me. He came off more petty than anything, you know. Mm. Um, especially he made remarks about, oh, he's you got a joint bank account with his mother. That's the kind of person he is. Which you know, I don't know that many people were hearing that and thinking, hmm, Cabana's a real jerk. You know, uh, yeah, I, it's weird, but I don't know what's the implication there. That I don't, I don't know, quite, not quite sure what he's implying. But because he said that tells you everything you need to know. I'll be honest, it didn't. I don't know <laughs> what to take from that. It's strange to be like a thirty-five-year-old man and have a bank account with your mother. But I, I but there there might be reasons for that that we're not. Like, I don't know what you know? the yeah credit. His insinuation, I guess, is this this guy's not a real man. Da, da, da. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, but even if that's true, like who cares? You know, like mm. that that just comes off as as petty and mean spirited. Like I don't know what his point was in saying that 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 we would all stand up and start applauding. Like, oh, this CM Punk is is truly uh, the 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 Giga Chad, truly the alpha male here. I, like I don't I, I don't know what his point was with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then calling out the EVPs. Which apparently his understanding was that they were le- leaking stories to uh, the dirt sheets, which has been yeah. debunked. Yeah, and again, it's, it leads to me to believe that he probably heard that from somebody, never asked them outright about it, mm. and then just said it without having any kind yeah. of corroboration. Yeah, on. I also I also don't think like there, I don't, I don't feel like the prevailing belief is that Punk got Cabana fired. You know what I mean? I know that idea is out there, but I don't think it's some. It's not a thing where everyone assumes. Oh yes, yeah, CM Punk came in and got rid of Colt Cabana, made Tony Khan go rid of him. No, I don't think that's like the prevailing kind of thought among just well, you know, among the Twitter wrestling fans or just online fans in general. I mean, objectively, you know, it's a, it's I, I a think an assumption. Not. I think you demonstrably you can see that when Punk came in, that Cabana's uh, on-screen presence diminished. Mm. 
I, th- I think that's true. Yeah. Whether he directly had anything to do with it or whether his presence had anything to do with that, I don't know. Yeah. But there is a there is a proportional more of CM Punk and less of Commander. Mm. I, I I think you know I've observed that. Yeah, um, it also coincided, of course, with the Dark Order not being as yeah, Alan Angels as well. Left, like yeah, and, yeah, uh, and and the end of the Hangman th- that post Hangman's like title reign is when the Dark Order's kind of disappeared. But anyway, but it, it's not a thing that people are out there screaming about. Like, oh my god, can you believe Punk got Commander fired? What a piece of shit! Like. Who, no one's talking about it. Who gives a f- like, certainly not in our so- spheres. But then there, there are wrestling fans who get upset that fucking Liv Morgan hasn't. You know. Oh yeah. Or, or the, the Kip Sabian's not getting a push. I don't know if I saw it this week, but <laughs> Maxwell, Maxwell, formerly of the RBR podcast, tweeted about Kip Sabian not having a good match and how he should be fired as a joke. And he got like dozens of people going, "Kip Sabian's actually good. You should delete this tweet." <laughs> Who that's that's my point. That there were like dozens of Kip Sabian fans out there. They should get together and buy a ticket. Yeah, but as you know, Twitter, you know, what we see on Twitter is not necessarily yeah. uh, reflective of. <laughs> we don't follow the troglodytes, I guess. So. No. Um, so, just in summary, I know we're spending a lot of time on it, but in summary, I we haven't thought, got to the fight yet. <laughs> the suspensions, but yeah. Yeah, but in regards to the press conference, I thought yeah. CM Punk came off extremely poorly. He looked like an arsehole. Um, he looked like a psychopath. Like, ar- arsehole, fair enough. We can live with an arsehole, but he's like, <laughs> he had the crazy good. eyes, covered in blood, ranting and raving. Mm. Uh, I love that Tony Khan kept apologizing for not giving a, a an answer earlier. Mm. Uh, he kept going, oh, sorry, Nick, I, I shouldn't have given you no comment. I should have given you an answer. Did it? As if that would have stopped the punk train. Yeah. Punk obviously went in there with uh, an yeah. agenda that he wanted to get across. I don't think he he got it across in a way that made him seem rational or sane. It made yeah. him seem like he had uh, a grudge that he needed to get across. Many grudges, in fact, multiple grudges. Um, and th- the way he uh, elaborated on those, I don't think... Uh, came off the way that he intended it to come off. Uh, I think he came off, like I said, extremely petty, extremely badly. Um, not uh, becoming of someone who's the world champion of a televised wrestling company. Uh, I don't think it did anything to build intrigue in terms of selling tickets or anything like that. Although, uh, as we saw, the the opening quarters of Dynamite did quite good rat- ratings because mm-hmm. everyone loves uh, a messy bitch. Controversy creates cash. Um, but I just thought it was fucking bonkers, and I thought he came off bonkers. And really, to be honest, the kind of person that I would not look to work with going forward. No, no. I think it, it really highlighted the need for me as well. Like, I think these press conferences are fun, and most of the time, it's just the wrestlers. It's pretty like bland, isn't it? It's just silly questions, and the wrestlers are often that in character to a degree as well. But I think it it kind of stress the need for like a PR professional to be at these press conferences, any other walk of life. It was, if it was a premier league champions league press conference, (laughs) there would be a PR person that's standing there or it all sat there controlling things, you know, choosing the questions, handling it, managing it. And if, if that had happened with them there, they would have immediately stepped in and said, okay, cameras off. We're shutting this down. This is, this is not continuing. 
but it's wrestling so it's like oh let's just carry on doing a fucking shoot promo like post our big <laughs> pay-per-view like just like so unprofessional so i think that going forward i don't think there's a problem with them doing these pressers but i don't think tony as the boss should be sat there next to the talent while they say things that uh that he shouldn't be having to like indulge he should do his own press conference they should do their own get a fucking head of pr who knows what they're doing tony i'm begging you that's why i recommend yeah so. i mean i would love to see a, a wrestling press conference done in the format of a a, a premier league one where cm yeah. punk just scratches his ear and says well obviously well, you know, very happy to have hit the goat yeah. sleep you know uh it was there and i just took it and luckily yeah, and yeah, put him away focus focus on the next pay-per-view yeah let's <laughs> get the win and uh, yeah i mean yeah, far be it for me to say but i i just think for these press conference uh events just the wrestlers to keep in mind that it's fucking wrestling you know it's it, yeah. as, as we said it, it's it's fake it's uh silly uh, i don't think that those are that or that was the perfect um way or place or time to get your grievances across uh, about mm-hmm. your colleagues so that was the press conference and what that led to and we don't know all of the details that led to some kind of backstage altercation in CM Punk's locker room between him and A Steel and the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. And Michael That's Nakazawa kind of and Brandon Cutler, apparently. Well, yeah, I, I don't know what to expect in the fight, but they, they were at the scene at least, or they arrived on the scene at some point yeah. because they've all been suspended. So we don't really know what happened. There's a lot that got leaked from each side that, you know, Kenny Omega was just there to help, you know, save the dog. <laughs> Ace, Ace Steel's wife was there Ace Steel bit Kenny Omega CM Punk punched the Young Bucks and they both had black eyes but then they posted pictures and they didn't have black eyes you know there was a lot of like nonsense going around but yeah. I think to some degree it seems like they went to his locker room to confront confront him or to talk it out I don't think they were looking I don't know if they were looking for a fight probably not because they don't seem like the kind of guys that would brawl I, I would agree i would agree going for like shoot super kicks you know and <laughs> <laughs> spinning spinning each other around for a right hander you know i don't i don't imagine them doing that um but whatever happened there was obviously a bit of a fight and it was witnessed by different people they were all suspended titles were all vacated and probably the most difficult day for aw so far even taking into consideration the pandemic and losing you know, the crowds and all that revenue. I think this is probably the the yeah. worst day for them as a brand. Um, yeah. Any any additional thoughts on the, on that? I think we covered like on the fight and most of it. But yeah, that's we don't really know. I think we're I mean, have to see what happens. I'm surprised that CM Punk was able to hit another human being based on what we saw of him in the UFC. <laughs> um, I I found very funny the story of uh. A steel biting Kenny Omega. I don't know why people are biting each other who are grown adult men, but apparently a, a bite happened. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just again seems like maybe it wasn't the right time. Again, it all comes back to communication and timing and so on. Mm. Uh, that when CM Punk is is going gone completely insane with steam coming out of his ears, maybe that wasn't the, the best time to go barging into his locker room for a confrontation and i'm not putting the blame on them but sometimes it's better to uh let the calmer heads prevail and maybe mm. the following day get everybody into a room and hash it out 
Yeah. You know, obviously tensions were high, emotions were high. He was uh, Punk uh, having just come out, out of the the main event was obviously like pumping adrenaline. And uh like I say that that probably wasn't the best time to <laughs> go and sort that out. Yeah. Right and again, this is why you have like either Tony should have been backstage instead of at the press conference or there needs to be someone, there needs to be like a a Jim Ross kind of 1998 figure, you know, like someone with the authority to like lead the locker room or make those uh, kind of 98 decisions. Jim Ross was over with Dante Martin going you gotta get some some meat on your chest there kid oh, uh, <laughs> slow down <laughs> uh, yeah and that's another one Jim Ross giving off about like the pay-per-view being too long and the match not making any sense <laughs> he, he was fucking burying Tony Khan as well I know someone should have run there. into Jim Ross and hit him a punch after that oh yeah maybe Tony will do that just <laughs> I mean, the other thing as well, obviously we'll, we'll talk about the pay-per-view itself, but it like totally overshadowed the MJF return. Yeah. And almost immediately killed off all the steam. Gave gave him a taste of his own medicine, really. To Uh, an extent, yeah. With the the flight debacle from earlier in the year. Uh, yeah, but that's that's the um, the AW news. We'll, I mean, the we'll last the last thing just on that on. Is, is Joe is now Punk, as you mentioned, is injured for nine months. Do you bring him back? It's it's very hard to tell for me now because you don't. We don't know the, the results of the investigation as well. It, it's such a long time. It, that's that's the length of time he's nearly like been in the company. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's who knows what could happen by the spring. It could be that Punk maybe reconsiders maybe he has time to think about it and thinks oh shit i don't want to go I, I just got back in wrestling i do actually love being here i don't want to it, look, it seems like, like he does again. so uh, yeah i think he does like he does want to be back in wrestling and i wonder if after a few months he'll <sighs> calm down he'll think you know fuck it i, I do want to go back maybe he has to eat a little bit of shit you know in regard to the elite and, and just and just um get over that and if as long as you know a hang and i can't imagine i think like hangman page is really he always seems very easy going like he's not the sort of guy that's gonna be like no fuck that i'm never you know working with him whatever yeah. and it could be they end up going down that route of you know when punk comes back it's like punk versus hangman and you know let's really? pick up left off yeah we'll see i don't, I don't know it is a is a fraught situation at the moment but yeah i think there needs to be an apology ironically and I, I think certainly in the short term, Punk will be not willing to give any kind of apology. But this is entirely his fault, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So an apology not forthcoming, I would, to be honest, cut ties with him. No, I, I, as much as anybody, have really enjoyed his comeback. But like, as far as Tony Khan running this company and and there being people who are who are too problematic to work with, I mean, mm. everything I saw. I would consider as like Khan would be totally within his rights to get rid of him. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. There you go. And that's, that's someone who is, who is shelled out for a CM Punk t-shirt who currently, maybe it's my drawer here, uh, currently owns a CM Punk AEW t-shirt. And I'm saying, you know what? I would, I would fire him <laughs> to be honest. Yep. There you go. After that. And uh, no one's bigger than the team. Uh, so that's, that's the AEW news. We'll get to all out uh, in a little, little, little while. Um, but other big story of the week, uh, Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II died after 70 years, which uh, I was going to say I wasn't expecting. I mean, she was 96. 
Yeah. Well, well, hang on. She d- okay, you mean 70 years in the job? 70 yeah. years as, as queen. Okay. Uh, yeah. 96 years old. <laughs> I was going to say, died after um, 70 years. What was she doing for the first 26? Just living in a tube. I think uh, what happened is she met uh, new British Prime Minister Liz Truss and thought, oh, fucking hell, this country's finished. I'm just going to fucking... Uh, I think Liz Truss probably stuck her po- with something. Poisoned her. Yeah. yeah, maybe she's been playing the long game because she was a little, little uh, injection of fentanyl. Just she started out as a Republican, so it could be you never know. Yeah. Uh, we're joking, by the way. That's that's libelous. Obviously, oh, Liz, yeah. Trust, Liz Trust did not murder the Queen. <laughs> of course, Paul not. doesn't care. Paul doesn't care. They're not going to get him in yeah. Ireland. But I could. Yeah. In fact, I murdered the Queen. Paul I? said it. Paul said it. Not me. He's, 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 yeah. um, so interestingly, and then jumping forward to another bit of of our news segment. Um, I was in Budapest this week in Hungary. So you have an alibi is what you're saying. I was out of the country. I wasn't even there. I was a thousand miles away. Um, yeah, it was a work trip. We did like a, an all company retreat to Budapest to, I don't know, build like teamwork or whatever. I don't know. I just sat in the hotel room for most of it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, it was nice. I've never been to Hungary. I probably never would have gone to Hungary unless it was for something like this. And so not, nothing against yeah. it. It was very nice. Kind of typical, classic European city with kind of beautiful architecture and piazza and all that kind of stuff. Got to saw the, the Danube uh, River, so that was nice. Hmm. Um, it was good. I, I, to be honest, we did spend a lot of it, the, a lot of the three days in a conference room in the hotel listening to PowerPoint presentations and talking about the company and stuff like that. that. There wasn't a lot of of sightseeing. I used like the brief breaks that we had to go for a long walk around the city because I actually wanted to see some stuff. So did that. Had a very nice hotel, to be fair. Uh, The the Radisson Hotel in Budapest was very nice. Hello. Don't mind if I do. It was uh, pretty good. Um, So yeah, anyway, it was a great trip. I got back a bit knackered. But the funny thing is, obviously, while I was there on the second day, I was sat in the conference room. You know, we had a break, a little bit bored, started looking at Twitter, started seeing some strange messages that people were talking about. There was news, breaking news. Uh, Hugh Edwards is on BBC wearing a black tie. What does this mean? This doesn't look good. <laughs> and um, so, so I was following the news all day going like, I think the, the statement was, it was a very euphemistic statement. It was something like the Queen's medical team are concerned about her health <laughs> and i was like well they probably should be because she's clearly already dead <laughs> like yeah. this is just they're just waiting for the rest of the family to get there to say their goodbyes before they announce it it was like pretty obvious to me because they would never make this kind of announcement otherwise so it was sure. just obvious so yeah essentially it was kind of waiting for that to be announced and checking twitter and then funnily enough we all we all went out for like a formal dinner that evening um in, in Budapest at this quite nice restaurant. We were also standing around having drinks when the news came out. And then we went for dinner in this restaurant and it was like a private room upstairs. And the name of the dining room was the Queen Elizabeth dining room. So half an hour after finding out the Queen had died, we went and yeah. had dinner in the Queen Elizabeth dining room, which was very, very strange experience. Yeah. And our CEO, who was a bit drunk at the time, was like, we're in the Queen Elizabeth dining room. The Queen is dead. I think we should all toast the Queen. And so we all sat, we all went, rested our wine glass and went, the Queen! And like, to be honest, my company is a Danish company. So like half the company aren't even English. They're all from Denmark. And there's Americans and people from all over Europe. But uh, yeah, it was. It just felt like kind of a very funny moment. But, you know, 
that was that was the news. Obviously, like I'm, I'm not a believer in the monarchy. I am a Republican. I would abolish it. I have kind of mixed feelings on the news. I'd, I'm not like someone who would celebrate. Oh, good, the Queen's dead. <laughs> you know, I, I'm not. I'm not that kind of person. But on the other hand, I'm not like you know. You see people in the street weeping and feel mm. like they had a personal relationship with the Queen, and I. I don't really feel that with any kind of celebrity or public figure. You know, I might feel a bit sad that someone's died or that they're just, or just someone who's been around for so long. You know, it's like if you had a prime minister or president for 70 years and they die, it'd be like, fucking hell, you know, they're gone. Well, they, they're just a standard kind of, um, you know, part of life. So yeah, it was, it's weird, but you know, kind of basically it moves on. Charles does all the stuff she used to do and things will, you, you say king instead of queen now that's the hard part yeah like because yeah. you've never heard any of these for like his majesty the king like, yeah. that doesn't make any sense to me it's <laughs> like a, it's life. like the start of the year where you keep writing the old date of yeah. the previous year exactly yeah and god save well, the king which is not as good as god said no it's not as good do they have to change the sex pistols song as well i presume so maybe they'll re-release it i am now yeah might as well cash in on that I mean, I have to say, I'm very upset that the Queen passed away, even as a, you know, Irish uh, person. Um, Irish kind of apolitical person, certainly as, mm. as Irish politics go, I, I'm, I don't really care about um, the uh, nationalist slash uh, unionist, or sorry, not nationalist, Jesus, uh, Republican unionist. Mm-hmm. I don't really care if we, if we if we get the six counties back, good or not good, it makes no difference to me. However, I, I've been hit hard by the death of uh, her royal Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. Um, very personally affected by it because I uh, have tickets to see Man United this weekend. Oh no! Coming weekend, not this weekend. Gone. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Fucking cancel those matches. I'll be over to push your coffin down a hill. I don't think they will. I, I'm supp- I'm amazed they did it this weekend. There's, I've seen. There's been a lot of like outcry about it. Yeah, um, yeah. I kind of wonder if it's they were worried about the reaction because it it was um yeah the FA Cup final. It was when the the Liverpool fans booed the, the national anthem. anthem. Yeah, there was a bit of a controversy over that, and I kind of wonder if if they you know at every Premier League ground they play the you know, God save the queen. Like what would the yeah. reaction be? Well, then that, 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 that comes back to uh, free speech, Joe. And the people, people don't like free speech. They can't have it up them. Oh, well, but except if it's, if it's free speech about uh, the queen is dead. Well, oh, oh, can't have that free yeah. speech though. That is offensive yeah. to me. Um, so, you know, it yeah. is what it is. Um, is so I, I think, Ultimately, yeah, I mean, one point I saw raised a lot about the cancellation of the football was, well, this affects the people who work at the games. And this maybe mm-hmm. when uh, the previous king died that they had in place there, well, we have this period of mourning of however long, and you know, we don't do the sporting events. Back when to, to see a football match cost the, the two shillings, you know, obviously the world <laughs> now is very different. Yeah. Uh, we're in the midst of an economic crisis, uh, raising mm. uh, elevated costs of living and so on. Th- that may be to just say, well, we're going to cancel the, all the football for a weekend, especially, you know, in a footballing sense. We have the World Cup this year. The season is already being kind of yeah. condensed into a smaller period. That's only going to cause more havoc. So I would think the Premier League 
uh, and the EFL would not want to, for I don't call it a, a, a spurious reason, but they if if they can avoid it, they would not want to postpone any more fixtures. So yeah, this weekend I should be going to see going to the the hallowed turf of the DW Stadium to see Wigan Athletic mm. uh, play against Reading, and then the following day to the uh, altogether stinkier and more tattered uh, stadium. <laughs> which is uh, the one that Manchester United play in. Um, see Manchester United against Leeds United. So let's see if they if they uh, go ahead. If so, uh, there'll be no Sunday podcast next week because I'll obviously be away. Uh, if there, um, those matches are cancelled, there will still be no podcast because I will be in a CM Punk style uh, rage. <laughs> um, Blood pouring down his face. Just yeah, coming out my fucking ears. What did I ever fucking do to deserve this, huh? And just, <laughs> just me, just me sat there going, "You tell me." You, are, <laughs> you are acting like a complete crazy man. Um, so the Queen, rest in peace and all that. Yeah, uh, yeah. Joe, tell, tell us about your holiday, Paul. Oh, I was on holidays, of course. Yes, um, it was lovely. I was in Italy for a week. I'm all tanned up. Oh, tannin had had the old shirt off, belly out on the beach. Oh, lovely. Uh, that's basically all I did for for the whole time. Was, yeah. was on the beach reading uh, my books. Uh, I did get a bit sunburnt, but mm. what's a, what's a holiday without a bit of sunburn? Yeah, uh, I had some good food, some good Italian food. Oh, baby, and uh, I learned the hard way that uh, airports can be closed. Oh, I was un- I was unaware of this fact, Joe. It, what? Why? Why was it cl- like family, family closed? Well, our our flight back from Italy was at seven a.m. Yeah. So this me, me, my brother and I. So we um decided because there's obviously no public transport in the middle of the night. We said, okay, we'll split mm-hmm. the difference. We'll get a taxi to the airport at like from the hotel at like two a.m. Yeah. So that we're not waiting in the town with everything closed for hours and then getting a taxi at what you might consider the normal time for a flight at 7 a.m. Mm-hmm. We said, we'll get a taxi at 2 a.m. We'll arrive at the airport at quarter to three, hang out there for a while, go to the gate as early as possible, hang out there, get on the flight. We got to the airport a little bit early. The taxi was a little bit early. Probably got to the airport about 20 past 2 a.m., uh, went in and we're kind of, you know, okay, I might well go to the bathroom. Uh, then we can see what, but as soon as we get in, there's a, a guy there with his hand kind of outstretched. We're closed. Okay. <laughs> we're like, wait a minute. <laughs> what do you mean? Airport's closed until 4 a.m. Out. So we just had to sit outside the airport for two hours until they opened up bizarre. at 4 a.m. Um, once we got in, it was, it was perfectly, you know, smooth. We got home and all that, but, yeah. uh, yeah, never, Never knew that an airport could be closed, but apparently it can. Uh, otherwise, yeah, I mean the uh, the holiday was lovely. Um, lots of time on the beach, lots of good food, everything you could want. Lots of games of cards as well. Lots. Uh, I still have the deck of cards here with me that I was using when we were playing. Uh, yeah, good fun. Very much enjoyed it. In in need because I I had only taken like four days off work. All year yeah. up until now. So this is my first like two weeks off. Oh, baby, it was lovely. Nice, very nice. Oh, cool. I'm glad you uh, glad you got that. Oh, I went on a I went on a date as well. That's my oh. 
Oh, any, 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 no, major... nothing, nothing salacious to report. Uh, she was, she was nice. Um, I think for me, it was more getting over the hurdle of obviously, I mm. it's been last time I went on a date that you let's say was uh nine years ago, so more about to, to you know, it's like, like a wrestler's first match back. Can I still do it? Can I still, yeah. uh, you know still get talking to somebody i don't know ask them out and then go out yeah so i was happy to uh to tick those boxes it, it, was, it was nice i don't know um if it's necessarily going to lead anywhere but then i think my approach is going to be a lot more casual than maybe mm. when i was you know in my late teens early 20s mm. when it was all about meeting someone and falling in love with them and oh my god now yes, it's very so. much Go out and meet somebody, have a nice time. Okay, if it doesn't lead to anything, I'm not gonna be crying and, and up all night about it. Um mm. if it leads somewhere, great. You know, I I'm 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 being <laughs> I'm being maybe overly kind of nonchalant about it. Mm. Um it was nice, you know. We went to um Bunsen and had some nice uh food. It was actually it was on my birthday, which also was this week. I don't know how many news items we have. Yeah, I am now thirty-four years old. Oh, um God one foot in the grave <laughs> um so yeah, yeah i mean it was, it was very nice i i don't have much more um to say about it really uh i got myself for my birthday a lovely lego set uh they're, they're re-releasing vintage lego mm. uh not re-releasing per se it's it, it's a it's very much a remaster um mm. but this is of the old uh lego space sets with the uh mm. If anybody remembers the old Lego space sets with like the yellow tinted glass sections and the the Lego men who only have one face, the, right. the, the default yeah, yeah. smiley face, no, no, none of this fancy accoutrements. Very, very simple. Um, so they released uh, these new sets. There's this one which which I got, which is the uh, Galaxy Explorer ship, uh, and then they've also released Ooh Bibi. If it wasn't 400 euro, I would pick it up. The Knight's Castle. With the wizard and the knights, ooh. which is ooh. very nice, very nice. Um, yeah, I got got that for my birthday. Had a lovely uh, build of it. It's up on top of my um, cabinet there. Too slow, for, too small for Joe to see, but it's up there. Um, and I also got a lovely uh, blue, a four, lovely four K Blu Ray, my second one. Uh, from my brother, I got David Lynch's The Elephant Man. The Elephant nice. Man is my favorite, my favorite film. Uh, I've never seen The Elephant Man, so I was very, very happy to get that. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And I, I got a copy of Elden Ring on the Xbox, uh, which I'm very much looking forward wow. to starting as well. Um, nice, nice, nice. So, yeah. Um, there was a disney event of some kind d23 d23 that's one of these things they have now where they just announce a lot of things at once and have you watched any trailers from it i've seen a few i watched the so they i'm, I'm i've got a, a kind of list of everything that was announced okay. here and I'm, I'm looking at this it's broken up into like different brands yeah i've watched a few trailers as well so we can touch on yeah. maybe what we've seen I've, I've seen a few so for star wars there's one two three <laughs> four five six new star wars series coming yeah i'll tell you exactly yeah, those how many of those be- i will be watching <laughs> the answer is zero um, add a push mandalorian yeah the 
Yeah, I will watch the Mandalorian. So I did watch the trailer for that. Yeah, and it looked, you know, it looked like the Mandalorian, yes, and it had right. Babu Frick in it. And I said, "It is Babu Frick." Ah! No, no, no. Because no. um, Michelle and I have a bit of a running joke where she—I can't remember the the real origins of it—but she was like, she said to me, "I bet you haven't thought about Babu Frick since we saw that movie." And I was like. You don't know what I think about. I think about Babu Frick all the time. Uh, so now, whenever Babu Frick comes up, I'm like, I'm a huge Babu Frick fan. And when I when he when he popped up in the trailer, I couldn't believe my luck. I immediately paused it, turned to Michelle, and went, "Guess who's in the fucking Mandalorian?" <laughs> she couldn't couldn't believe it. But yeah, anyway, Mandalorian looks fine. I'm not going to watch any of the other stuff. I, I, no, absolutely. I don't even. I can't be bothered to like understand what. I, I don't know. Maybe if one of them gets a good review, I might watch it. But other than that, I'm not particularly interested. Um, the other stuff that looks interesting, the Lucasfilm announcements. There is a new Indiana Jones coming. Uh, Indiana Jones 5. I'm too old for this shit. Um, Indiana Jones. Of course, Harrison Ford is now 80 years old. Is he that old? Really should be retired. Like, come on, man. Jesus. Um, he's coming back. Um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge is going to be in it. And it seems as if... From what I said, it seems like Short Round is going to be back. Um, okay, well, he was in uh, Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yeah, the actor, he was in Everything Everywhere All at Once, so he's had a bit of a resurgence. So perhaps off the back of that, they thought, of course, well, that's an opportunity to bring back an old character that people remember, which is the favorite thing of studios these days. So I'm kind of interested to see where that goes. Maybe maybe it'll be good, maybe not. But um, I mean, yeah. I maybe I'm the only person in the world who who enjoyed Crystal Skull? Oh, that was all right. Yeah, yeah, I didn't particularly. Oh, that was all right. Um, I'm looking at the cast here of this new one though. Uh, Harrison Ford, well, obviously. Phoebe Waller-Bridge, John Reese Davies is back. Uh, woman, um, Mads Mikkelsen. Oh yeah, yeah. Toby Jones, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, good little cast. Yeah, it can be good. Can be good. Who's directing it? James Mangold. James Ooh. Mangold. Don't mind if I do. He directed Logan, and that film was real fucking good. Mm, yes, yes, it's good. So that's what one to watch out for. Uh, TV series of Willow, starring Warwick Davis. Yeah. Little Warwick Davis, host of ITV's Tenable, <laughs> yes. um, and star of Life's Too Short. Uh, he's back. Um, I'm kind of interested in this. I, I watched the trailer. I thought the trailer looked quite fun. It looked like old school fantasy where it's just a bit sort of silly and a bit like oh we're gonna have a fun time and you know dwarves and things you know what i mean like labyrinth kind of fantasy yeah i thought the writing felt too modern for it though like modern comedy (laughs) yeah a little bit like yeah too sassy will and grace kind of well it was almost like uh, when that just happened (laughs) you know i don't know whether that fits the, the old willow model yeah but we'll, we'll see where that goes but <laughs> it's it's but so odd see warwick as we know acting, him today yeah. acting because he just he just seems like himself he doesn't seem he like, seems like warwick davis he doesn't really do any acting does he he's just warwick no. davis but uh, i like him anyway. i think he's a quite yeah, charming like guy so i'll uh enjoy watching that um other than that i did watch some of the marvel ones i watched the um god what was it called i watched secret, secret, not secret invasion Wars. secret invasion yeah god that was boring yeah, yeah, it was like they rounded up all the most boring characters from the Marvel movies and put them in one movie. It's like, remember Martin Freeman? 
Uh, remember Kobe Smulders from Agents of Marvel or whatever it's called? It's like, oh my God, I don't want to watch a show about the admin people. <laughs> from You don't watch a superhero universe. series with no superhero in it. Is that what you're saying? No, yeah. It looks really dull. I mean, I don't even want to watch the ones that have superheroes in them. So. Yeah, not even anymore. I'll new be watching that, baby. I'm going to skip that one. And then and there's also Thunderbolts, which is seems is like a kind of suicide. Then? I don't think they had the trailer. They were, I think there was some footage. Okay, right, It was a footage. Or, oh, no, they just announced the lineup. Um, but again, it's like they, they've rooted around like the um, the MCU and just found all of like the, the B characters from yeah, various the, movies the in one group. It's a bit of a su- yeah, Suicide Squad, but Marvel edition. Um, it's a bit of like, it kind of reminds me of the Trustbusters. I think it's very much Marvel's Trustbusters because <laughs> okay. it's just like a very random collection of, um, of, of people. So again, I don't know, Florence Pugh's in it, so it might be worth checking out. She's very good, but... Um, I think that's probably about it from from D twenty three. Was there any other trailers you watched, or were I watched in? the Little Mermaid trailer? Oh, I didn't see that because I love the Little Mermaid. <gasps> Thinking thin, you can't get too far. Legs are required for jumping, dancing. Um, but I thought it looked like a big old pile of shite. Uh, of what they showed. It just it just stinks stinks of uh, Disney's The Lion King, which you might have mm. recall from twenty eighteen, um, where everything is is photorealistic and the fun is entirely sucked out of it. And uh, fucking who cares? Um, I didn't realize until also this week uh, the um, what's it called the pinocchio remake the uh robert zemeckis pinocchio remake that the pinocchio character design is exactly the same as the uh cartoon one yeah i assumed wrongly that they would do the same thing as they always do and just do a hyper realistic like puppet yeah it just looks like cartoon pinocchio in that world it doesn't work at all um that film is apparently also dreadful um Little Mermaid. I love Little Mermaid. Also, one thing they do in the Little Mermaid trailer, and look, I don't know. I think the Little Mermaid movie might just be directed to Disney Plus as well, so I don't know if it's necessarily one of their, you know, flag, uh, tentpole flagship uh, releases. But I'm sure it's gonna be fine. Um, but they do a thing which is a pet peeve of mine, a nitpick, if you will, mm. which they also did in The Lion King, which is take established um, loves beloved mm. disney songs oh i just can't wait to be and and fucking do riffy mariah carey vocal versions of it mm. oh i just can't wait it's like, no, sing the song the way it is and now i understand it's a remake it's an adaptation it's not meant to be the same as the original one but those versions are always worse than the original ones anyway mm. um I don't have high hopes for Little Mermaid, and I, I, I am a big The Little Mermaid fan, at least the original 1989 uh, film that started it all, the Disney Renaissance. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, with with some of the, ooh, the best Disney songs whatever existed in it. Uh, Flounder is just a fish now with no mm. <laughs> distinct visual personality. He's just a fish. Okay. <laughs> 
Ridiculous. Uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen any of these live live action ones. Uh, I tell you what, they're not all horrible. I'm, I'm sure they're not. But again, it's like you say, what what's the point? But then the difference is the difference, mm. Joe, is some of them feel very much like an adaptation, mm. where they're different enough to warrant their existence, and then some of them are just a shot by shot remake and a worse version. So I thought Jungle Book, I thought was very good. And Aladdin, I thought was way better than it had mm. any right to be. I know you're not a big Lion King guy anyway, but the Lion King remake absolutely stank. Um, I haven't seen it, but by all, oh, I have seen Beauty and the Beast. Sorry, I have mm. seen Beauty and the Beast. It was terrible um, to the point that I just almost forgot that I'd actually seen it. Um, so, 50-50 hit and miss. There, there, there are more that I haven't seen that I won't mention. Uh, have I seen any other trailers? I think that might be it. I did see the Willow one, like you said. Mm. Mm. No, uh, nothing that got me jumping out of my chair, I must say. Uh, mm. I saw that. I didn't see any of the trailers, but I saw a, ooh, give me chills down my spine in a bad way. Uh, the list of uh, titles for the what Pixar are, are, are putting out over the next couple of years. <sighs> oh, dire stuff, mate. Uh, oh, it's another, not only another Inside Out, but another film that is, you know, Inside Out and um, what's the other one? Soul. Uh, I think it's called, is it uh, Elemental? Another one where it's like, oh, we're taking a, an abstract concept mm-hmm. like that and making a film. It's like, okay, well, you've done that now. You've done it really well. So it's it's just going to be um, a little bit of diminishing returns. Very sad to see what's happened with Pixar lately. They used to yeah always make so, good films, apart from Cars. Um, and then I guess the last news story, Joe, is uh, WWE related. I know we don't often talk about WWE, hmm. but uh, among you know things that have been happening in uh, in WWE recently. Big Braun is back. Uh, Braun Strowman. Choo choo. I don't think did they do, they didn't do the uh, the train sound when he ran around the ringside this time, did they? Unfortunately, did they? They did it. No, no, no. That's okay, no. Unfortunately, they didn't do it. Okay. Um. So he's back. He's look. He looks like he's aged about ten years since yeah. he was last on. His face is all uh, maybe just that's like well, lost some weight, but his face well, is all like gaunt and. Well, uh, Taking control of your narrative is not easy. It is yeah. fucking hard. The the, the road is on. Do you know what he, what he looks like, actually? Is if you took uh, Russell Brand, shaved his yeah. head, and juiced them up. That's what Braun Strowman looks like now. Oh, I think you might be right. <laughs> Get on the Photoshop show. We have an artwork hey. to make. So if you took Russell Brand, shaved his head, and had him all roided up, juiced out of his mind, that's what Braun Strowman's face looks like to me now. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you bang on there, actually. <laughs> um, so he's back anyway. I think that's probably a net positive for WWE. I, I always thought his um, release was a, an odd one. Not insofar as that he's very good, but it seemed mm. like WWE spent a lot of time and energy in building up stars. I mean, himself and The Fiend um, had a lot of time and energy put into building, up, building them up to the higher upper card, if not the main event only to yeah. then be like cut and gotten rid of weirdly, obviously probably because they're on high wages. And that is the news. 
It is. Bong. Uh, So, yeah, that's a new segment included with. So we're going to have a brief interlude and we're going to have a little quiz. It's uh, 20 questions, solo edition. Yeah. Uh, So I have a wrestler in mind. It is a wrestler, 20 questions. It's a a wrestler. And I'm going to give Paul 20 yes or no questions. Okay. uh, With which to try and guess it successfully. Okay, I'm just getting my my notepad out here to write down my clues. Uh, answers. Yeah. Who could it be? Who I should have already done this in advance. Sorry, listeners. Okay. Um, number one, I will say, is this wrestler? Uh, are they alive? Yes, they are alive. Okay. And now, without assuming genders, would you say that this wrestler is a man? This wrestler identifies as a man, yes. Okay. Maybe they don't, but we're going to assume they do. No, no, no I think, yeah. Are they, uh, are they still active in a full-time... Are they active as a full-time uh, wrestler? No. Okay. Are they... Uh, are they still on screen... In in any capacity, yes. Okay. So I haven't, I haven't specified any company there, but they mm. still perform on mm. screen. Okay, is this person uh, employed by uh, All Elite Wrestling? No. Okay, not in any Are they uh, employed in the World Wrestling Entertainment Company? Yes. Okay. Okay, so. Not active as a full-time wrestler, but still on screen. Um, that's assuming that this person was active at some point as a full-time wrestler. Um, okay, let me think. There can't be too many of those. Um, can't be too many of those. So if you're not a wrestler in WWE, you are a... Okay, let me ask a question on this, actually. Is, does this person fulfill a role currently other than wrestler? Yes. Okay. So I'm thinking they could be a manager, they could be a commentator, ring announcer, um, authority figure. Um, okay, I have a few a few names in mind now. Okay. Okay, let me think. Well, how, how will I eliminate this? Um is this is this a commentator? Yes. Okay. Okay. So I'm thinking, who do we got? We got Byron. We got Corey. Mm, well, McAfee, although McAfee was never a full time wrestler, but I didn't really ask that question. Um, is this uh, is this person of the Caucasian skin variety? They are. Okay. I'm thinking that this is probably most likely going to be Corey Graves. Um, let me think who else, though. Who? Okay, let me think. The commentary team on on, on the wrestling. So I don't know for NXT. And okay, yeah, you do have um, White Barrett. Uh, NXT UK is dead now, so that doesn't count. Um, SmackDown is McAfee and Michael Cole. That's it, I think. And then Raw is Jimmy Smith, Corey, and... Byron, right? I think that might be right. Is this uh, is this an American person we're talking about? No, it's not. Okay, so I'm thinking it might be uh, what the way, Barra. 
Um, was this person a member of the uh, one-time vaulted and then quickly uh, obliterated Nexus group? Yes, he was. Okay, so I'll go for I'll go for it. I'll go for question number uh, twelve. I think this is. Mm-hmm. Is this person? Uh, doesn't go by this name anymore. I think he goes by his his real name of Stu Bennett. Or maybe doesn't. Maybe maybe goes by his work name in WWE. I actually don't know that. Uh, is Wade Barrett? After twelve Sorry. questions, Paul, you have correctly guessed the identity of the wrestler. Yes, it was Mr. Wade Barrett. Wade uh, Barrett, current current color commentator on NXT. Very good. Who needs Barry for this? To be honest, no, no. Yes, you get, once you got the right question, we know the we know the questions now. You know, it's like. Well, it's, been, it's a while since we played it. Company acted, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know how to narrow it down. Yeah, no, very well played. Um, all right, back into that one. Was there so a meta that's... in terms of why Wade Barrett was picked this week for the Queen? No, and the Clash in the Castle. I, uh, peep. I was trying to think of one earlier because I was considering doing rather than doing wrestler twenty questions, I was going to do match twenty questions. That'd be interesting. And tr- make you guess a match. Hmm. Um, but then I thought, well, let's get let's get warmed up because we haven't done a quiz okay, in a yeah, while. Yeah, yeah. So I thought I'd just do a wrestler. The, I'll tell you the match I was thinking of. It was Chris Jericho versus Daniel Bryan from NXT back in the day. Ah, yes, because they had a match. Because they had their match all out. And so I, 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 I when I was watching that, I actually made a point to say that that was the first ever uh, NXT yes, made of it. Yes. So you would you would have known that match, but it might yes. have been trick, you know, hard to guess. Hmm. Um, but then that led me to think, oh, okay, I'll pick someone else. Uh, Wade Barrett, he was on that show. So yeah. Ah, there you go. Okay, so there was a, there was a meta. There was a meta. very good logic to it. Okay. Um, so speaking of speaking of um, reviews, which we won't. Yeah. Let's do some reviews. It's the where would you, review. Where would you like to start, Paul? Uh, pick your poison. Uh, well, games, since since we're, we've t- yeah, since we've turned the uh, podcast world upside down, I think we should start with the all out review. Here we go. Um, we uh, we covered the aftermath, so let's yeah. get back to the what's before and aftermath. So before math, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Pre math. <laughs> um. So I, as someone who watched the show after the fact. I think my perspective on it is maybe going to be different um, than somebody watching live. Now, I don't know whether that'll be the case, but I feel like not watching it live did impact my enjoyment of it a little bit. Right. So I'm interested to see your perspective. I thought that the show was okay. As I say, I don't know if watching it live lessened the, the you know that feeling when you're watching pay-per-view mm. you know they, they, they talk about it in wrestling anything can happen oh, it's exciting yeah. oh, it's live oh, oh. the fact that it wasn't live when i watched it maybe that just caught a little bit of that excitement for me mm. and i don't know whether that's that's better or worse for objectively judging the quality of a show um but there was stuff on the show that i really enjoyed and yeah. there was oh there was a, a lot on the show that i thought was a big old whiff yeah, uh, which we'll get to. Um, so I did. Wa- I didn't watch it live, but I did watch it first thing in the morning the day after without yeah. knowing sure. anything. No press conference, no results or anything. Um, I would say I'd go more than okay, but I'm not. I wouldn't go oh very good. I was I mean, more kind of in the okay to good. Good, good, but not great. Yeah, good, but not great. Okay, I think we're more or less aligned then. Yeah. So um, we'll start with the main card. Yeah. 
I don't think uh, there's much we on the on the zero yeah, hour just, we talk about. The the Kingston Ishii match was very good. Yeah, that um, was good. The other match is not so much. No. And Hook and um Action Bronze and Sal Angle. That was that was about it was it, nice. really. Yeah, it was that was fine. So uh, I kicked off with the ladder match, the casino ladder match. Um I do, I hate ladder matches. Like, I know you do. Yeah, famously, I get what you say. I just I just do not want to watch a ladder match ever again as long as I live. I could happily, unless they reinvent them and maybe go back to basics. I'm not interested in all the stunts and all that stuff. I've just seen it way too much. Yeah, this one, it felt very underwhelming, and then it became clear at the end why I think it was underwhelming. Obviously, because it was all building up to a big kind of angle, essentially. Yeah. What did you think of the match before that? Were you into it? The ladder match. I thought it was yeah. absolutely dreadful. Yeah. And I, I do like a ladder match. But yeah. this, um, first of all, a lot of the stunts they tried to do, the fucking ladder wouldn't uh, cooperate. The ladder would fall out. Mm-hmm. And Claudio was trying to do the thing where he would like tip the ladder. It was like falling over. Um, It felt quite rushed. It felt like, you know, when you watch, a, maybe this is to do with expectations, but when you watch a, a casino ladder match, you're waiting for the Joker. And so in the same sense as a war games match it feels like until you reach a certain point nothing really counts because you know the match isn't going to end until the joker comes out so it all feels even psychologically it all feels very inconsequential Uh, and then once the joker came out the match ended immediately so it kind of felt like you never had that period where you could fully invest yourself feel like okay now here we go here's here's where the match kind of kicks into another gear um so yeah i i was similarly uh well, not you weren't disappointed. I know you don't like that kind of match. I was very disappointed mm. with it. Because I think the names that were in it were such that the match could have been really good. Great lineup, yeah. And uh, I thought it uh, absolutely stank. To yeah. use that phrase for a second time on this podcast. Yeah, for, uh, very kind of disappointing. So what did you think of the angle? Because I... First, I thought it was a bit lame, but then I quite liked the fact they didn't reveal it and you had this guy come out. I I actually didn't know that it was MJF at first. Like I know right. a lot of people assumed it based on the way he entered the ring and everything. I wasn't a hundred percent sure that it was. I kind of hoped no. it was. But I didn't think it was necessarily MJF. I actually thought it was too short to be MJF. That's what that was, threw me <laughs> off. I was like, oh, MJF's bigger than that. Um, mm. I quite like it, but then I also I'm always a big fan of like the Halloween Phantom from WCW. Where Rick Rude came out in a, like a right. mask as that Halloween Phantom, and then they revealed that's, and then he does the Rude Awakening, like that's we know that move. That's Rick Rude. <laughs> um, any call, I've been begging someone to do that, so I'm glad yeah. that they. But they didn't quite do that though. Is is insofar as this to me felt more like, um, you know, when uh, was a Mercedes Martinez who ran in that one time. And, and attacked someone and then just immediately whipped their hood off. And it's like, well, yeah. what was the point of the hood in the first place? Like, yeah, what's preventing you from just running in and attack? Because the, it's the cheap reveal, even yeah. though there's no logic to the identity being hidden in the first place. Um, I, I think there's a little bit of that here where why didn't MJF just walk out and get the chip? What, what was, like, within the logic of the show, what was MJF's thinking of reveal himself after the main event like i don't think there was any logical reason why the reveal happened then i get in reality why it happened then because you want to go off the air on a big angle with your show right yeah but for him to come out in the mask and then on that same show later 
via a, a video, which we'll talk about later, whip the mask off. It's me. I'm back. Da, da, da. You know, I don't know that that made sense to me. Um, the mask itself was cool. The look was cool. Um, but I, I think I, I already had kind of a, a, a distaste for the latter match. Mm-hmm. And then the segment mm-hmm. after was just whatever. I like I like Stokely and the group. I, I wish they had almost lent a little bit more into that, you know, where he was handing them mm-hmm. the cards. And now we can read into that, that that was just, you know, a proxy for MJF yeah. was maybe MJF offering them. You know, he in the past, we've seen him offer the padded lope uh, yeah. to people. And I feel like they, they almost haven't lent at all into that. We didn't see MJF with the group at all on Dynamite. Hmm. Maybe maybe we, we, they could have been a little bit more. Oh, when Stokely was handing out, we thought that Stokely was was recruiting them, but actually he was just acting as a proxy for MJF, and it led to them coming out, and and there was more to it because he knew he was going to be in the ladder match, and mm. you know there was a lot of thought like that all made sense to me, but the fact that he would he would come out in a mask, get the chip, and then later reveal himself, I don't think there was as much thought put into that outside of oh that would be a fun reveal at the end of the yeah. show. Yeah, I, I didn't mind it. I, I know you're saying, but I think it to me is like, well, I'm overthinking it. Of course, it's it's, it's, it's MJF playing mind. It's you can always use mind games as, as, as an excuse. What's the mind game? Mind games. Mind games. <laughs> Paul, mind games. Okay. Well, he, the the mind, mind game games. worked on me because oh, I was oh. left utterly confused. <laughs> yeah, like uh, Rafa Benitez back in the day. You were clearly yeah. This clearly right is the facts. 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 Well, clearly CM Punk was rattled by it. I mean, did you see the press conference? He was clearly <laughs> rattled by MJF's mind games. Um, yeah, so I, I, I quite enjoyed that. And I'm, I'm glad they paid it off on the night because I was kind of worried they would pay it off on Dynamite, which I don't think would be the right call because then it would completely leave that ladder match with a, a sour taste. Yeah, you know, un- unless they did night. something where at the end of the pay-per-view they, you know, obtusely hinted that it was MJF without necessarily <laughs> revealing it. Yeah, like they could have had him not come out, just had this the back back of his head or whatever, you know that kind of thing. But yeah, that would be cool. So yeah, so that was a bit of a bust. Uh, second up was the trios uh, final, the Elite versus uh, Hangman and Dark Order. I thought it was a very very good typical Elite match, exactly what you'd expect from from the Elite. Um, Kenny Omega stopped pretending. He stopped doing the. Uh, Willy Wonka walking with the with the stick thing, <laughs> falling over. He's um he's back to actually just wrestling well, which is yeah. what he's good at. So he should just stick to that. Um, but I, I I enjoyed the match. I thought you know, good appropriate sort of finish. I almost wish it had been. Now I understand story wise why they didn't go in that direction, but I almost wish it would have been best friends and Orange Cassidy. Yeah. I feel like that would have been a better match. Purely, I just think still as much as we love Johnny Hunky, mm. weak man. Just he, he and Alex Reynolds just aren't as good <laughs> as, as Trent and yeah. Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy. Um, so I felt like that was a, that that was kind of it suffered a little bit by virtue of that. It was good. I mean, again, I would say I'd say it was it was good, not great. I wouldn't even say very good, not great. Um, but I was kind of I was kind of hoping for more. Yeah. Um, was pretty good match. Pretty good match. Um, following that, Jade Cargill versus Athena. She kind of was what it was. Four minute match. I thought it was one of Jade's better performances. Yeah, I, a lot of a lot of criticism of this match. I've seen people really burying it. Mm, I didn't see it. I I thought it was fine. I guess I don't know. Maybe it's because it was such a long build up to the match 
and then it 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 was a typical Jade Cargill kind of squash match. But that's all you I want really. I thought she did a good job. I think yeah. she she does well. Well, we've um, seen what happens in 2003 when you bring in Goldberg and you have him work 40 minute matches with Triple H. Yeah, you know, yeah. Stick to the strengths. Um, after that, Wardlow and FTR against Jay Lethal and the Motor City Machine Guns. I'll be honest, I, I don't think I watched a lot of this. I kind of was drifting. Yeah, I, I thought it was so kind of... Uh, so like Rampage. I let them. Yeah. Kind of, I don't watch this. And again, I used to own a Motor City Machine Guns t-shirt. Yeah, yeah. I think if this was building up to them versus FTR, I'd be really intrigued by that. Like a kind of dream match. Um, well, the problem is yeah. what this should have been was Wardlow and FTR against uh, Lethal, Sanjay, and and Big Satnam with Wardlow giving the big boy the powerbomb. Yeah. Instead, they went, eh, no, Motor City Machine Guns are going to be in it for absolutely no reason. Mm. Um, a beloved uh, Impact tag team joined the heel team for no reason that I'm aware of. Um, so it felt like the story was pulling one way and then they really quickly shifted to the right. And so the match was kind of thrown off kilter as a result. Mm, mm. Um, then you had Powerhouse. Surprisingly, really surprisingly, uh, easily dispatching Ricky Starks. Yeah. Well, is this uh, is this to lead to... The, the Ricky uh, resurgence down the down the road. I, I guess so, but it was a very strange result. Because I, I, I don't think the result was strange, but just the way that it, it happened. I I was well, actually, maybe I could see Hobbs winning. I did think Starks would probably win. I mean, this is their first match in the feud, so you maybe yeah. have of him Hobbs win the first one, and then Starks get you know the comeback. Yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, again, strange result for him to, to win so comprehensively. Hmm. Maybe it's not heading the way we think. Maybe Hobbs is moving on to something else. But. Well, Ricky Starks is is obviously the uh, the long term uh, project there. But Hobbs, I think you know, why, if if both of them can be elevated, then why not? Because I think Hobbs is a mm. he's a hell of a talent to see this young kid. Yeah, he is. He's great. You can see him in a, in a really good program with someone. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that was probably a dis. I mean, it was a disappointing match. It was five minutes. Like it wasn't. A great match you know that that's the thing i think and you can say that about a few of the matches on this it didn't really um didn't really deliver that kind of you know four four pay-per-views a year you want that real like classic match 20 15 20 minute match and that didn't really deliver yeah, it didn't help that they had like f- including the the pre-show 15 matches on this yeah way too many um but speaking of matches that did not disappoint speaking of classic 20 minute oh, AEW matches oh Swerve in our glory versus the acclaimed with uh, <laughs> Daddy Ass Billy yeah. Gunn. Uh, this was fan fantastic. Oh, baby! Everyone crowd just nom, 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 eating out of the palm of their hands. Like, yeah. oh, I loved it. I loved. I love when the crowd are so into a match and when yeah. it feels like it matters and the result is just like watching your football team and you're just like so desperate for them to win. Like that's the best feeling in wrestling. Yeah. You don't want a crowd that's indifferent to who wins. That is just popping for moves. You want like someone really rooting for the result, and that's what we got here. Yeah, and this is this is the thing is, and I know your your Al Snows and your Jim Cornettes talk about you know wh- which was the most important, ma- which was the best match of WrestleMania three. No, it wasn't Savage Steamboat. It was mm. it was Hogan Andre because that sold the tickets. 
I think there there's an element of 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 being right in in that line of thinking when it comes to the mm-hmm. acclaimed because there are people on the roster who have better matches than the acclaimed. Yeah. Max Caster is not the best wrestler on the roster. Max Caster is probably not even in the top 25 best wrestlers on the roster. Anthony Bowens maybe would, would shade it. But if you can be a, a, a good to great wrestler and have a, a connection with the fans, I know we talk about the connection with the fans, outside of that, through your character, through your promos, um, that's where that's where someone turns from a, a, a Dante Martin into a into a Cody Rhodes, you know, that's how you get to that next level is, is the fans. They don't just want to see you have a good match. They just want to see you. Mm. So, you know, ironically having Billy Gunn in their corner, I, I think the acclaimed are, are the closest we've had to the new age outlaws in, in 20 years. I think there's elements of, it's going to sound like mad hyperbole, but there's, I think there's elements of the, what made the rock so popular mm. with the acclaimed is, they have their rap, first of all. So everybody's very excited to see what outrageous thing is Max Caster going to say yeah. this time, which was used to great effect on Dynamite when, when he was interrupted. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Nuclear heat. But also they have their uh, the scissors. And Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, AW, get the fucking foam scissors in your shop, please. You're losing money already. ASAP. Because you have signs in the crowd and uh, Anthony Bones will go over to the crowd, and they'll they'll do the scissor with him, and the you know uh, he'll say the name of the town. The acclaimed have arrived, and mm. scissor me, daddy ass, and the crowd. You know they have catchphrases that the crowd can chant along to. They have uh, unique content that they can use every time they come out with the, with the raps. Mm. Uh, they have marketable hand signals and merchandising, and you know. Now that the fans are totally behind them, they've gone from a an act that you would not see on Dynamite for for weeks upon weeks to now. Don't say it out loud, Joe, but are they maybe going to win the titles at, at the uh, the show in New York in uh, in two weeks? I think they have to. I think. I mean, after the response they got at the pay per view. Yeah, and it's their hometown. You know, uh, Caster's from New York, Bowens is from New Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> You gotta do it. it. It looked only a few months ago that the acclaimed were never gonna be a team to win the tag titles, and suddenly, yeah, very quickly, it looks like uh, an absolute right. They were just feuding with Colton and Austin Gunn. A month I think ago. really that that feud is really helped, like pushed it. It was actually just a really good feud for the um, acclaimed. Yeah, yeah, it shows what can can be done. You know, it doesn't have to be all great matches and and. You know, super workers. It's like just have a, a story. Tell a story. They won the dumpster match, and it was a, was it a great match? No, but it it was effective. It kind of yeah. gave the people. You've got to give the people what they want. Yeah, and they did. Scissor me, daddy ass. Got over like no one would have predicted. I mean, Billy Gunn is as over as he's been in twenty years. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm sure he doesn't quite get what the appeal is, but. I'm sh- he's loving it when he comes out and scissor me and he's all <laughs> yeah is it any different to coming out and chopping your crotch and saying suck it like it's, it's really. that same kind of thing like why was that popular why was it why is telling people to suck your dick and pointing to you yeah popular? you know like it's just it's just it's as homoerotic really it's just a stupid funny thing to do and it's yeah, yeah it's great but that's the thing is it's a silly funny thing to do 
but the crowd can get involved in it, you know? Mm. Yeah, it's part- participation. Yeah, absolutely. They can do it with each other. They can scissor oh. each other. Or they can do it with the wrestlers. And, and I mean, God, think about that in terms of merchandising and, and selling, you know, if they go, if they work indies and they're, they're selling autographs and pictures, everyone's going to want to go and get a picture and do the, the scissor hands. Yeah. So, so add an extra $10 on the photo opportunities and you're, you're laughing, you know? Yeah. Um, they, they've, they've absolutely struck gold. I must say. Tremendous stuff. Um, and this match was, that, this match was absolutely oh, brilliant as well. I mean, the, it was the, brilliant. the crowd obviously played a huge yeah. part in that, but the match was, was great. This was, this is where they put all the, the false finishes and, and everything. Mm. And it was oh, perfectly, perfectly done. Very good. And I, I thought the funniest part was after the match where the crowd was so fucking angry. <laughs> that when Billy Gunn went to scissor Keith Lee. Yeah, they booed him. They, like, they were so angry. And I think, I, I kind of feel like the intention was for the acclaimed to do it well. Almost like the, you know, the baby faces shake hands after the match. Yeah. I think it was supposed to be they were going to scissor and they were like, nah, we can't, we cannot do it. Oh, not at all. going to fucking gonna go mad yeah. so that was great that was absolutely great and i'm very happy because i've I've loved the acclaimed from day one i know we we have the csp we've championed them since day yeah one. we've been being acclaimed and that's part of the appeal as well is like following the rise of, of your favorite team and seeing them yeah. um i described it to michelle i think after watching the pay-per-view as being like you know when you watch a football team and you see the academy players coming through yeah you know i have a, a special connection with like Danny Welbeck or a Marcus Rashford because they came through the ranks at United in the same way I wouldn't for like a striker that we bought in who was the same quality as Danny Welbeck you know (laughs) I still have a shirt in the wardrobe with Makeda 41 on the back exactly yeah and and it's the same in wrestling you feel that sense of kind of connection and ownership over the the homegrown talent and um yeah, great to see them coming through. And speaking of that, the next match, actually, the, the four-way uh, match for the interim women's title, um, Jamie Hayter got a kind of similar, yeah. really, really, really big reaction. You know, lots of Jamie chants, and she was kind of loving it and really, really pushing that hard. Um, I almost thought she might win this match as well to set up a Britt Baker feud, but they, they went with Tony Storm in the end. Which yeah, is they've still set up that Britt Baker feud, though, but just in a they, different way. Yeah, they did set it up. Um uh, but I thought Tony Storm was a kind of worthy, worthy champion. She's been very good since yeah. she joined. Outside of Baker, she's the biggest star in the match. The, so. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it, it sets up Baker and Hater maybe for for full gear. But yeah, I thought this was a good match. Um, probably one of the better women's matches I've had in a in a while since the Britt Baker Thunder Rosa matches. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of any other really notable ones. But yeah, really good. Nice to see uh, Sheeta back as well. Yeah. She is, she's really good. I wish they'd use her more, but there we go. It's a kind of strange situation where Jade Cargill is like the women's champion. <laughs> Even though she's got the mid, she's got the mid-card belt, but she is the women's champion. Yeah. It's almost like she should have that belt and then all these other women should be chasing the mid-card I mean, belt because maybe, it would give them maybe something that's, to do. Maybe that's the end game is she does an Asuka as NXT champion where she just moves across and vacates the old one and never yeah. loses it, you know? Yeah, wins wins the women kind of unifies the titles, but then drops the TNT or the, the uh, TBS. Yeah, someone else. I uh, wouldn't mind that. Um, next up again, not really a match. Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy. 
Uh, I so think Christian we mentioned East. last week that Luchasaurus was possibly gonna. That's kind of like, was my assumption. Yeah, that he would turn in this match, which is why I thought it it was kind of strange that they did the back and forth in the first place. Um, well, it was think, a ruse, obviously. I think. Well, yeah, it was a ruse, but I think it would have been cleaner if he just turned here. You know what I mean? Um, I think I would prefer yeah. that. But either way, uh, Christian was injured, so it wasn't really a match. It was Jungle Boy gets attacked before the uh, bell rings, um, which was good, which was also actually that was ended up being good because what normally happens is that Luchasaurus comes out after fifteen minutes and you know, <laughs> turns on him, and it's like, well, why did why did you wait? Wait, wait, minutes? Yeah. yeah, stupid. So they 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 did it straight away, and Christian won. Um, interesting that he's now going to be gone for a while because. It's like John yeah, Wall's gonna have to wait. How is he gonna get his heat back? You know, he's gotta wait nine months, but I guess they'll they'll find something for him to do. Um yeah, it was it was it was what it was. But it was another match where you didn't get that again, that satisfying, really good match mm. that you'd want from an AEW pay per view as a kind of another yeah, interim sort of thing. Right. But anyway. Um Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson, I thought this was really boring. Um, I wasn't sure whether it was because I was just so deep into the show, you know, after like three hours or whatever. I was like, oh, am I just getting tired? But actually, I just don't think the match was particularly interesting. Well, we had the Lionheart return initially a few weeks ago. Mm. And I thought that Jericho looked great in that match. And so yeah. I was ready for a proper Lionheart Danielson clinic. Ooh, baby, doing some cool submission. Uh, I also thought it was quite boring. <laughs> so <laughs> you're not alone. Um, it was long. just seemed to go on forever. Um, not much to say about it. I thought I was, I was a little bit disappointed by it. Yeah. Very disappointed by that. But um, no. Also Jericho didn't have the, uh, the little uh, ponytail uh, hair this time. He needs to bleach his hair. I want to see bright blonde Jericho. Yeah. If he's going to, if he's going to do the lion heart, I want, bright blonde hair um yeah not very good and then six man tag i think this was better actually darby allen sting and Miro against house of black um i i quite enjoyed this it had the usual sting like cool sting spots uh, well he didn't jump off a balcony he did yeah he hasn't jumped off anything in a while which is a bit annoying um i would like that please um maybe he'll do a grand slam he'll jump out of like one of the the box is where the coaches normally sit. Uh, Arthur Ashe, you can jump out of there with a tennis He just racket. needs to jump out of a blimp or something. That's truly the please, next. Please, Sting, please. Uh, this was this was fun. Again, a bit of a filler match, but... Yeah, for, for as much that was riding on it going in with Malachi and uh, the mm. Miro story and, you know, Sting's matches and Darby's usually even if they're not so important they usually you come out of them feeling oh something's happened mm. there this was just kind of they had a, they had a match it was good nothing yeah. revelatory and the main event CM Punk defeated John Moxley uh, via pinfall uh, I thought it was very good yeah I think and this was uh, maybe with exception of the uh, Swerve in Our Glory acclaimed match this is probably my favorite yeah. match with the exception of the acclaimed match this was the best match on the show who thought would be yeah. saying that uh, <laughs> AW pay per view, but um, yeah, very good. They it delivered on the, the big match feel and the kind of promise they had laid out, yeah. And um, 
kind of went as predicted really. Well, I, like, I liked you know. that they started with the reversal of the Moxie quick win where it looked like Punk mm. was going to get the quick win. Yeah. Um, he obviously then hurt himself on a tope and bled. No, no Moxley blood this time, which is unusual. Um, he loves a bleed, so he does. Yeah, because he was playing more heel, so he want to bleed. But yeah, overall, really, really good match. And then uh, the the ending to the show, which I have to say, before I saw all the press conference stuff, I was very excited by it. I thought this was great, and I was looking forward to MJF coming back and the whole thing you know I, was, I thought this was an excellent way to bring him back and it really made a lot of sense you know the playing the ring of honor clip and the build up and everything got a huge reaction i thought it was great so yeah. what, what did you think of it knowing knowing that it was coming i didn't know well did you not know that mjf was no no you weren't spoiled oh okay. no no i wasn't i was even watching it two days there because i was i was mostly in airplanes and in airports so i wasn't spoiled right but um yeah, I'm a little bit conflicted on it. I obviously super excited that MJF is back. I thought, like mm-hmm. you, that the video was really well judged. I liked the uh, Ring of Honor clip. I liked the voicemail because I obviously played into it last time we mm-hmm. saw. Him. Um, didn't care for the goofy mask and all that as we talked about already. Um, and I almost feel like it would have been just as effective and just as cool if, you know, we hadn't seen the white devil mask earlier. If we had just mm. had even not even have MJF involved in the casino ladder match, just have a, as a different winner or whatever. If it would just be punk celebrating the win lights go out, video starts playing. You see the back of the head and the, the music hits. And that, that would have been just as cool to me. I think, I think, oh, when he finally came out, obviously it's great to see him. He's he's one of the top people in the company. But it all just felt a little convoluted. <laughs> a little too many ideas, you know? Um mm. uh with with the with the Stokely group. As as we talked about, individually stuff w- when you look at it makes sense, it is cool. But I think there's just too many ideas mm. at once. Um I would have just had like I say, maybe have have Stokely get the thing, and then there's the you a shadowy figure. Uh, I, I guess it's the same. It's not really a good point, but I don't know. I thought I thought the 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 mask stuff I thought was a bit lame, and like I said, a little bit overly convoluted. I I I really liked the voicemail. I really liked the Ring of Honor clip. Mm. Um, I liked that it came out on stage because if he hadn't, we would have had absolutely nothing to show on Dynamite from the main event. Um. Yeah, and I, I, I almost wish he would just come out of the stage, and I, he then did the, you know, that that belt's gonna gonna be mine. I almost mm-hmm. wish that he he didn't say anything because then you're you're thinking, oh my god, what's the first thing he's gonna say when he comes back? We'll shoot it, die about to see it. Um. So yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It just, I, I, to me, it it felt like MJF returning should have been a bigger feeling moment. Um. And, and maybe if it was if if there was ironically less thought put into it and it done a little bit more simply, um, think back to like when Moxley debuted in AEW. Hmm. Uh, you, you see him in the crowd. Oh my god! And suddenly it's ah. This I think there were, there were, there was just one too many steps in the setup to him coming out on stage. Um, certainly, and this is, I again I really like the video, but I think 
when it became apparent in the video that it was him, when his music played and he came out, I think that was lessened a little bit by you're like, oh, now we're expecting him. Uh, yeah. it, and and what I would liken that to is I, I I listened to an interview a while ago with Noel Gallagher, and one of his pet peeves when he was in Oasis was that before every song, Liam, and this is maybe one of the reasons they're not a group anymore, Liam would always go, uh, this fucking song is Wonderwall. And so that would take away the impact of when Noel would play the first few notes. You don't get the crowd yeah. pop for the notes. You get the crowd pop, pop for Liam saying the name of the song, and yeah. then you have to wait for it to die down, and then he starts playing, and the crowd pop's already gone. I think there's yeah. maybe a little, a little element of that here. Um, yeah. But yeah, all in all, I think it's probably, oh, would I say the weakest AEW pay-per-view of the 10 or however many they've done so far? I don't know. There was one. Was it the uh, the show with the um, explosive barbed wire? Was that show thought of as not being great overall? Yeah, the show was all, was okay. I think, yeah, some of the pandemic ones I didn't particularly enjoy. Mm. Um, I can't quite remember them now, but I would put this probably above those. I'd say it's maybe like the bottom. Four. I think it's bottom. It's bottom half. It's bottom half for sure. Oh, definitely bottom half. Yeah. Um, but maybe like a bit below than that. But I still, I still enjoyed it okay. enough. It's not like I yeah, disliked it, but um, yeah. I mean, speaking of that, I don't. If you want to go through, completely through Dynamite and Rampage, it's not a whole lot to say. But essentially, the follow the fallout was that <laughs> we've already covered this to death. Um. They were everyone's been suspended, stripped of the titles, and yeah. Tony Khan did a little video where he looked like a hostage and said, <laughs> um, announced announced another another tournament <laughs> to crown oh, an AEW world champion. They, they love a tournament. I kind of hoped they would just go for MJF versus Moxley. Yeah, uh, just go or yeah. something something like just go straight to that and say, yeah, let's just crown a champion. But um, I did like the lineup for the tournament. I think Danielson being well, it was it's what I liked was that there was no uh, win a battle royal to get the right to face Moxie to get the right to be in the tournament. To it was just six guys and his turn. Yeah, so six top guys as well. It wasn't like yeah, Brian was Danielson still, versus Preston Vance. Yeah, although oh, who's so going to win this one? Sammy Guevara. You can kind of. I yeah, but I in the in the context of the organization, he, he's a three-time TNT champion, one of the big big names, and I yeah, I was happy with that. Apart from the fact that he ended up winning, I do. I just one of the real things I uh, annoys me is that Tony Khan seems to be a lot higher on Sammy Guevara than Darby Allen, and I just do not understand why. Compare their TNA TNT title runs yeah. for a start, and look at where the belt was before Derby got it and where it ended up after Sammy lost it and just, and, and tell me like who, who has more value. I, I just think Derby Allen is one of those people that could be at that level. He could be at that level already. If, if he, if, if he they had went, if they were buying them after his TNT title run had ended, if they just then popped him up another level, yeah. I think he could be in the world title, but yeah, kind of is what it is. It's just with sting by his side as well, but. Anyway, so that was one half, and you had Hangman Brian, Jericho, and Mox in the semi-finals. So I think it's a decent lineup. I think probably Mox is going to end up winning it again. See, I wonder if that if if this is the if ultimately the goal is going to going to be MJF at some point, which I have to imagine in, in, in view of Punk and so on, that MJF mm. is probably going to win the belt at some point. I wonder if you just go with Danielson for a short run. Yeah, 
that may be the other alternative. And then he, what, he loses it to MJF, maybe? Because <laughs> how many times can we carry... And look, don't get me wrong. He, I think he's been one of the bright spots of this year. It's Moxley. Mm-hmm. Um, how many times can you do in such a short amount of time? Moxley wins the belt before that starts to lose his impact. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's kind of what I mean. Like you go for Danielson. Maybe he holds it till the end of the year or to Revolution, loses it to MJF, and then that leads to you could do Mox MJF at Double or Nothing next yeah. year. So. Yeah, so maybe we don't go straight back like to Mox. Ju- like, just to me, going straight back to Mox feels a little bit like, oh, Punk's gone, back to Mox. Punk's gone, yeah. back to Mox. Like, like, let's do something different. Let's 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 take the opportunity that's been handed to us and do something crazy. Yeah. Not that that's chap is crazy. But. And I think the most satisfying title program still to this day is Mox chasing Jericho for the title for me yeah. that is still That's the best like, I can't think of a program they've had that was as compelling as that so do it again with MJF in the Jericho role sure. with all his goons around him and, and have Mox chase it and win it in the big have him win it at double or nothing which is the big you know the Wrestlemania yeah. That's what um, the other title uh, that was vacated the trio's title or championship didn't get a tournament they just did a uh, death triangle best friends yeah. match uh, weird because uh, Death Triangle were eliminated in the first round of the uh, previous tournament they had done. Um, so a little, a little bit odd, but they they were victorious. They won the belts. Yeah, I don't know why Best Friends went in there. Was there a reason they gave for that? Well, they didn't do Dark Order because Alex Reynolds was in Dark Order, match, which, is, which is fine. But and they, I guess they didn't have Osprey and. Uh, they weren't available. They weren't available. So you <laughs> start going back down the list. You're like, well, I would have thought best friends should be, but maybe there was a reason. I don't know. I would, yeah, I, I would have had best friends win as well. But I'm happy with Death Triangle Pack first. Uh, yeah, I triangle. mean, these are these are the two trios teams that have been around almost since the beginning. Yeah. So I'm yeah, I guess it at all. New problem with them. Um, um I what did you enjoy the uh, the MJF Moxley promo at the beginning, especially I, I got to say the Moxley part. I I did enjoy it all. Um, I I always enjoy MJF. I know it, it's kind of a bit repetitive to the stuff he's done before, but I I still really liked it, and I liked the parallels people drew with CM Punk. You know, coming out and like smiling and being <laughs> the big baby face. Oh, I love this shit, and then you know. I love AW. I'm never leaving. <laughs> the the best day. The, oh no! <laughs> What's the quote again? The devil, you know, pretending he didn't exist, kind of thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like that's with the CM Punk. You know, eventually you see the true colors coming out. So I thought that was good. And yeah, Moxley's promo was like, "Yeah, give me the ball. Let me run with it. I'm the man." And, and you know, he's proven again and again. He he's is. The man. Yeah, yeah. He is the man. Um, it's a fair play to Moxley. So I, yeah, I enjoyed. I enjoyed all the opening promo. I thought it delivered. What I wanted from it, anyway. Yeah, agreed. And uh, yeah, I know we didn't. Good. I did, I know we didn't talk about it because we were off. But I, I really enjoyed the uh, the punk a steel one from the previous week. Even if they kind oh, of yeah. got to that a, a week too quickly for me. Could have done with an extra week, yeah. But yeah, it was it it, it worked really well because I felt like they should have almost done the um, out of the old stone cold that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Where you have you have a steel giving the big talk and Punk shakes his head and walks off. Then you on on rampage you do the uh, no one's seen CM Punk da da da, and then 
there's some schmoz on, on Dynamite. Mm. There's Jeff Punk returns. He's going for the belt. To do that, to th- yeah. do those three in one promo was a little bit rushed, but I still thought it was yeah. really good. Um, and then obviously Ace Steel took all that energy and fucking went biting people. Yeah. And then the main event was the uh, the Garcia Wheeler match. Oh, I love these two. I fucking, I fucking. This is what I want from a match. Yeah. Two work great boys rolling around the ring. Yeah, well, this is their second great match because i really enjoyed the yeah. ring of honor match as well yeah that was fantastic this is this is this is great i just <laughs> so i love it i want to see them wrestle every every week every month and then I, I i especially liked danielson raising the hand and jericho's little expression oh his little face yeah this is his face that's <laughs> storytelling bro yeah yeah that was, that was good. great that was good rampage was whatever was yeah Sorry. Uh, did you check out Clash at the Castle, Joe? I didn't. Nah, I don't. I don't. No, neither I did I. I can't be bothered. For all intents and purposes, it was apparently a really good show. Yeah, a lot of um, lot of good feedback on it. Um, people were angry, a bit angry about the main event, but I thought, what else? You, you got fucking broken dreams. Shut up. You got, yeah, he'd be, he won the match. Yes, it was kind of fire. Out of time. It was fine. Um, um. Yeah, I don't know if I'll ever watch it. I mean, but yeah, I imagine I will watch it one day. But I, I, I'm just so turned off WWE at the point. Well, WWE is good now, Joe. It's good now. Uh, yeah, Triple H is back, baby. He's bringing back all the big guns like Johnny Gargano and Braun Strowman and yeah. all my favorites. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I um, I won't be watching it, but I'm glad it was a good show. Right, um, that's your wrestling for the week, uh, Joe. We watched each movie that mm. weirdly, I think, without us realizing it, I think that parallel each other quite well. Yeah, um, and we've both seen. I've seen the movie you watched, and you've seen the movie I watched, so we can talk mm. about them maybe at the same time. Uh, you watched E.T. the Extraterrestrial. I did on um, it was in, World in cinema, no less. World Cinema Day or whatever it was on mm. on. Saturday, where it was three pound a ticket, three dollars a ticket, whatever. Right. Um, unfortunately, there was nothing really new out that we wanted to see. I would have gone and see a new film, but there was there was nothing out. But there was the 40th anniversary of ET on the Saturday morning, mm-hmm. um, and I'd never seen it on the big screen, so we we went to see that. Um, I actually end up getting this slightly late because I think they have fewer trailers and ads for old films, which always throws yeah, me off. Sure. So we walked into the cinema and it was pitch black. <laughs> it was during the opening sequence, which is in the woods with like the spaceship and the yeah. um, helicopters or whatever. And so you couldn't, I can literally could not see a thing. And it was a packed cinema as well. So it wasn't like we could, you know, um, squeeze, just walk, squeeze for the seats. Yeah. So we, I kind of just stood there for like 30 seconds going, Oh, what are we going to do? <laughs> are we ever going to see our seats? But then, <clears throat> luckily, it got to a slightly brighter scene, and it lit up the cinema. And I was like, "Oh, there's two, there's two species. Let's just go and sit there." And it was, it was fine. Um, so I have to say, it was a great experience because I ne- we never normally go to like a packed cinema because we normally try and avoid it. We go during the yeah. week or at a quieter time because uh, it's normally full of plebs. Um, who were being annoying i have to say there was it was all families and it was all quite well-behaved kids you know who were there to like actually watch the film not on their phones because they're too young to have phones so that's nice um it was just a really nice cinema experience it was like being transported back to the 80s or something like when people used to go to the cinema and see like the new film instead of just watching it at home 
Um, and, I, and E.T., obviously a film I've seen before, but not for a long time. And also one that I'd forgotten how good it was. Like yeah. Spiel, Spielberg, he takes a film about a little boy finding an alien, which is the most kind of like, I don't know, Saturday afternoon TV movie sort of thing. You know, oh, we found an alien in the back garden. We got to hide it from everyone. He just, he, he turns it into a masterpiece. Like, Every scene is just beautiful. Like the way it's shot, the lighting, the, the shadow, the, the editing, the choices. It's just everything. It's just fantastic. Um, from start to finish, just like amazing filmmaking looks amazing. And so visual, like it's not, it's not just dialogue, dialogue, dialogue and CGI, CGI, CGI. It, it's just, it's great storytelling. And um, during the scene, the first scene where, he rides his bike through the sky against the the moon, and it's the John Williams school. Yeah. I had shivers that all the way down my spine, and I I can't say I've experienced that at the cinema in God knows like how many years or decades. But I had actual shivers going up and down my spine. I was oh. like, oh my god, it's amazing. Um, and then when ET spoilers, ET dies <laughs> at one point. Um, he turns into a little white ET. Oh, I'm dead. Um, I yeah, I, t- I teared up. It was incredibly sad. And there was a little girl sat next to me who must have been like five or something. And she'd been watching the film quite well, you know. She was enjoying it, obviously. And she turned to her mum at that point and was like, "I don't like this anymore. It's scary." And I heard her say this <laughs> to her mum, and her mum kind of reassured her. And I was just like. Don't worry, E.T. is going to make the Terry Funk come back. I know, and it was like, this is what it should be. Like, kids being a little bit scared or a little bit You should feel feel something, yeah. It's good, that's what, it shouldn't just be crap flying around. Like, it should, they should feel it. And, you know, and then he comes back and everyone was laughing. There's like a little joke, there's a little scene right after the death where the older brother, like, bangs his head on something and the whole cinema just laughs and it kind of lightens the mood a little bit. And it was just perfect. And then, yeah. I just absolutely loved it. And I now, I just want to watch all the Spielberg's movies again because I've just re- forgot. It's <laughs> <Very laughs> good, good. I love E.T. Yeah, as well. E. I think my, my favorite bit is when he says, it was nothing like that penis breath. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Hopefully good. that was still in there for the kids. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah I, I have an anniversary DVD, I think, of E.T., but it might be, God, 20th anniversary, 25th yeah. anniversary, maybe? Very good film. Very. I haven't, I haven't watched it in a very long time. I do need to give that a rewatch as well. Yeah. But uh, I also watched a film about a, a relationship between a little child and a weird creature mm. in which the, the damn government are trying to take it away and they got to protect it. And that it's called Okja. And it's a Netflix uh, exclusive 2017 by uh, renowned Korean director Bong Joon-ho. Uh, of Parasite fame. Uh, I've seen all his films now. This was the last Ooh. one. I've seen them all. Uh, sad to report that Okja is, is not as good as E.T. Uh, in fact, I ranked it at the very bottom of my Bong Joon-ho list of seven. So it's it came seventh place for me. I thought it was uh, like uh, so much uh, on the pay-per-view, Joe. I thought it was good, but not great. Yeah. Um. I- 
I don't remember a lot about it, if I'm honest. <laughs> like, uh, it, it, well, quite forgettable. J- Jake Gyllenhaal gives one of the oddest performances mm. you'll ever see, like Jared Leto level. He's got like a he plays a, a I guess a Steve Irwin type, but he's he's got a high pitched voice, he's got a little mustache, little ratty mustache, glasses, but he's like totally over the top. Mm. Uh, in a way that didn't work for me. Mm. I didn't like Tilda Swinton much in it either. She plays like a jewel role. Um, there was some good in there. There was a good little uh, chase scene down a hill. She's chasing after the the truck that has the uh, the titular Okja. Okja is a is a uh, genetically manufactured super pig. Mm. Um, and then there's some you know there's some effective like animal abuse stuff in there. Because obviously, you know, that's what kind of the film is about, is that these animals are created ultimately for sustainable meat production. And so there's the film touches on, you know, there's analogies for how cows are treated in slaughterhouses and stuff mm. like that. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Overall, I, I was left a little bit disappointed by it. Um Definitely, yeah, definitely. If uh, maybe one for Bong Joon Ho completionists only, I, I don't think it was yeah. a massive hit when it came to Netflix in the first place. Um, yeah, it, it it was weird because it feels like the kind of film that, with the, with the design of the town and the little girl and the big pig, it almost feels like the kind of movie that would have been better served by being like a, a, an animated movie, like a Studio Ghibli movie. Mm, mm. Um, I think it would have been better off for being in, the, in like the story told in that style because there's parts of it that feel very aimed at kids and yet the film is like full of swearing and mm. so I, I felt a bit conflicted in like okay who's this really for what 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 even as as a viewer what am I being served here uh, what way should I be approaching this film so yeah I was a little bit in the middle on it unfortunately um, but I do have now in my in my movie list i have a few david lynch's to watch i obviously have the elephant man uh i borrowed a mulholland drive which i've never seen which is apparently his best film and i also have a dune which i picked up a few weeks ago the david lynch dune so it might be over the next few weeks that we have some david lynch reviews so look forward to those nice, nice. um now joe there's a new show on tv it's mm-hmm. actually not on TV. It's on Amazon Prime Video or whatever it's called. TV. I don't know if you've heard about it because I know that you are a massive fan of Gandalf and the Boys. Oh, uh, yeah. From To Lord of Two Rings. Uh, there's a new show. It's called The Rings of Power, exclusive to Amazon. It's like the most expensive streaming show ever made or something. Yeah. So... As a person who really likes The Lord of the Rings, which I do, mm-hmm. The Hobbit, eh, not so much, <laughs> not so much The Hobbit movies, but The Lord of the Ring movies, the the books, uh, I'm a big fan. But I was still a little bit, what's the word, tentative going into this mm. because there's just so much of modern streaming series that I I don't enjoy. Um, so I went in with rock bottom expectations and happy to report that I thought the first two episodes were actually pretty good. Surprisingly. Ooh. 
Ooh. I don't know what the reviews online have been like, whether it's been positively or negatively received. I, I have no idea, mm. actually. But um, I thought the first two episodes set up the stall because they, they released the first two episodes concurrently on the first day. Mm. Uh, I thought the first two episodes, they, they kind of set up their stall really solidly in terms of what are the four or five like main storylines that they're going to be telling over the course of the eight episodes. Uh, what are the little mysteries they're setting up? You know, what introducing the characters within the the hour or two hours of the two episodes. Um, I thought they did all that quite well. Um, it obviously feels very like they're taking Peter Jackson's inspiration without working with him at all. There, there's all obvious production elements that feel very reminiscent of the Lord of the Rings movies. Because I'm not sure. I think these the, these are not based. These are not a prequel to the films per se. These are based on Tolkien's writings. Yeah, in the world. In the world, it is a co-production with New Line Cinema, though, who did produce the uh, the Lord of the Rings films. So there is a connection there, but I I don't think that these are directly connected to those. Mm -hmm. Um, But like I say, I I thought um, like it's very expensive and it looks very expensive. It's it's a good looking show. Definitely at the end of the first episode, there was a, a storyline created, which I thought was was very, very effective. Um, and then this week, episode three aired and kind of all my enthusiasm for the show got sucked out because uh, if I was to describe it as a middle of the road Game of Thrones season five episode, mm. that's how I felt about it. Uh, episode three of, of Rings of Power. I thought it was... Uh, boring. I thought the way it told its story, like first of all, the structure of the show is entirely lifted from Game of Thrones. It's very much that we're over here on the map with these characters for five minutes, then we're over here on the map with these characters for ten minutes, then we're over. Here. Can we just have an episode about some characters and just stay with them for an episode? Remember when TV shows used to do that? So it's very, I would say, too close to Game of Thrones in in a lot of respects. And I know people loved Game of Thrones until the end. I'm one of the one of the few people who kind of I thought Game of Thrones wasn't really good since like season three. Yeah. Um, this feels like it's 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 in a, it, at a time where it's airing at the same time as House of Dragon. I feel like Lord the Lord of the Rings show needed to delineate itself and differentiate itself as much as possible from Game of Thrones. But actually, by season three, it just kind of feels like a Game of Thrones clone in a lot of ways. Um, so first two episodes I was pleasantly pleased with second episode mm, less so <laughs> um, I'll stick with it of course it's only eight episodes so it's nice it, ultimately it's nice to have something in the middle of you know you have your, sh- your your real prestige shows which are truly well made your successions mm. uh, and then on the other end of the scale you have your Marvel Disney slop it's nice to have a show that's just fine, you know. Obviously, this this is intended to be a prestige show. It's as I said, one of the most expensive shows in history. Mm. But quality wise, it's nice to have a, a TV show you watch where every episode doesn't need to be a ten out of ten. It's like you know, it's a good like seven, six. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm okay with a show that my expectations don't need to be through the roof for every time. Yeah, that that also isn't so far down the scale that it like makes me irrationally angry for having watched it speaking of lord or not lord of the rings the other one how's uh, house of the dragon going house of the dragon i've watched the um 
second and third episodes. I was um, relatively uh, high on the first one, surprisingly. I, w- I didn't right. have great expectations for it, but I actually thought it was pretty good. Uh, that kind of trailed off with episodes two and three. Okay. Um, episode two was very boring. Um, and episode three had a bit more going for it, but I, there's just a lot of talking in rooms. And I think with the, with game of Thrones, that was fine because the characters were so interesting. Like you just loved whether it was like Jon Snow and then Samuel Tarly, you know what I mean? They just had a, a funny relationship. They interesting characters, Cersei, JB, they're all kind of wit, slightly witty or, or just nasty or they, you know, had something about them right characters in the show they're just bland it's boring i just mm. not don't particularly care about them um it also does a lot of time jumps i didn't realize i, I kind of heard about this but i didn't realize it would be happening so quickly but it's jumping forward like two years in the first three episodes okay. and it's just like well i kind of feel like i've I've missed out on all, on all this progression or, or, or not very much has happened in two years. You know, the characters are pretty much where they were right. in the previous episode, even though two years have passed. It was like, well, what's, you know, why, why are we seeing this? I don't know why they, they made that choice. I, I don't particularly like that. I'd rather they just kind of skipped to the bit that we're interested in. You know, if, if they're, if they're trying to skip forward to, okay, it's the dance of the dragons and it's Targaryen versus Targaryen. Can we just get to that and just, do some flashbacks to, to show us right. how we got to this point or we'll build that into the story. So yeah, I haven't, haven't enjoyed episode two and three as much. Oh, okay. I'm going to watch the rest of the series and see where it goes. Maybe it will really kind of pick up and it's just a bit of a slow burner. Um, but not. Mm. <laughs> and how many episodes are there in that? Do you know? I think it's 10, 10. Okay. I assume. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Um, Music-wise, uh, I did listen to a new album. Uh, or is it an album? I'm, I'm still not entirely sure. Um, it's called Thoughts and Prayers. Uh, and it was put together by CKY drummer Jess Margera. And it's a compilation of uh, works that he's put together with various rock groups. And so he's uh, he's compiled this uh, this list of songs and he's put it out under the banner of Thoughts and Prayers, which is... Um, I, I'm not entirely sure. I think, I think it is to raise funds, um, mm. essentially, but basically what the messaging is, is that, uh, whenever there's a, it, it's very much like an anti gun message is that when everybody, you know, there's a, there's a massive shooting or there's some, some tragedy like that. And everyone's oh thought thoughts and prayers to the family. So, mm. so the, the album cover is thoughts and prayers with a big, like double middle finger right on it. Um, and yeah, I, I I quite enjoyed it. It's it's very much of that um, American rock, uh, like modern American rock sound. There is CKY involvement. There's um, uh, there are some rec- recognizable names on if if you're into that kind of scene. Um, Daniel Davies and uh, I think one of the guys from Ween is on one of the tracks as well, mm. but it's, it's very, very listenable. It, it doesn't necessarily border into metal or anything. It's definitely in the kind of the rock wheelhouse. Um, and I thought it was, I thought it was quite, quite enjoyable. Um, so I would recommend that if people are into, uh, Margera's stuff, uh, also listened to, uh, oxygen seven to 13, 
which is Jean-Michel Jarre's follow-up, 1997 follow-up to his uh, seminal 1976 uh, mm-hmm. original. If anyone knows that one. Uh, so what I'll say is just quickly that Oxygen 7 to 13 is, is by far the better album. <laughs> Even though everybody knows Oxygen 4. Bum, 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 bum. Uh, 7 to 13 is, is a much better album. Oxygen, the first uh, Oxygen album, aside from Oxygen 4, doesn't have a lot going for it. So if anybody hasn't listened to Jar and is into uh, electro music, I mean, this is, this is, you know, this is like, oh, you're into, uh, you're into Danielson and, uh, you know, Jericho well you, you need to watch Steamboat Savage from WrestleMania 3 mm. to you know go back go back to the not the origins per se but like kind of the origins I feel that way about about these Oxygen albums especially like the first Oxygen I, I think Oxygen 7 to 13 is much better but if if you're a fan of like Daft Punk and you want to see where they kind of got their inspiration Jean-Michel Jarre from the 70s that's mm. where it's at uh, so Oxygen 4 I wouldn't necessarily recommend the rest of Oxygen I think it's Within the context of listening to the whole album, it's good, but I wouldn't like just stick on Oxygen 2 ever. It's a little bit boring. But 7 to 13, oh, Chef's Kiss. Oh my God, what a good album. Um, Quickly on to games. So I mentioned I got Elden Ring as a present. I haven't started that yet. I have been playing a little bit of Pokemon. Uh, I, I picked up one of the... Uh, you know the way you can do this on Switch, Joe? If you have the online, they have like... Uh, you buy a f- pair of vouchers. Right. for is it i don't know what it is in sterling probably like 80 quid or something and rather than buying two games at full price you you buy uh two games with like a tenner off in right, in, right. in euro it's 99 euro for these two vouchers so you get two games for 45 which is which is a very good deal given that nintendo never reduced the prices of their games mm-hmm. so given that i was going on my holidays i said well i'll pick up pokemon uh shining pearl i think it might be called uh which is a remake of the fourth gen diamond and pearl and i said well pokemon is usually a good game to just pick up and chip away at and so i picked it up and played like an hour of it <laughs> on holidays i barely <laughs> played it at all yeah. uh i i find it absolutely uh annoying i think it's probably to this point the the, the weakest pokemon game i played Ooh. um I just think in terms of developing, I know Game Freak didn't develop this one themselves, but like one problem with Pokemon generally is that every Pokemon game is just the same in it with a shiny coat of paint, which is fine. But every time you pick up a Pokemon game, you always have to go through the same conversations with NPCs for like hours. Mm. So let's just put in context, right? This is, in counting mainline Pokemon games, this is probably like the 13th one I've played, right? Mm-hmm. And you still have to go through at the beginning. You start the game, pick your character, pick your starter. Okay, no problem. You still are, you know, you're going into all the houses because you get, you know, you're going to get items or whatever. But you still are in conversations with someone like, eh, do you know that grass Pokemon is weak to fire Pokemon? It's like, yes, I learned that 20 years ago when I played the first game. Why is there not an option at the start of these games where, you know, you start the game and it says, have you played Pokemon before? Yes or no. And if you say yes, all those NPCs just disappear from the map. I don't need to have the conversations of, you should really weaken a Pokemon before you throw a Pokeball at it. Your chance of catching it will be, you know, increased. <laughs> I know that. I've played 13 of these games. I know the basic fundamentals yeah. of how they work. Yeah. 
So you saw, I've played it for up to two hours 50, give or take now, Joe, right? Mm-hmm. I'd say without hyperbole, I've probably spent about an hour 20 uh, talking to characters who are explaining to me how the game works, which I know already. Pokemon developers, if you're listening, cut that out. Add an option to cut that out. How has it not been patched in already? I don't. I don't need to play that part of the game anymore. Also, the game is just annoyingly slow and and poorly designed. So there's constant little. I was talking about this when I talked to Barry about Horizon recently. Where this this is true of any third party game, right? You're running. Mm-hmm. And you want to pick up an item, and there's a little animation where the character has to stop, bend down, crouch, pick it up, and continue running. No, don't do that animation where you stop and crouch. Just run past it, tap your button, and the ling you got the item. There has to be a better balance in, in video games between realism and the game being fun to play. And I think Pokemon, as unrealistic as it is, is so far away from the is fun to play side of that spectrum, where Every time you get in a random battle, there's a little five-second animation. You're in a battle with a Pokemon. Oh, pan around your head. Oh, my God, battle. Okay, that's impressive the first time you do it. When you're on your 500th battle and you have to watch that little animation every time, it's just Mm. a fucking pain in the hole. Uh, And maybe it's just not specific to this game. Maybe I'm just burnt out on those games in general. But in my first three hours of playing it, there were so many little things like that that annoyed me um the 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 pressing the button to get through text is is finicky so what'll happen is in any game where you're talking to characters and the text is showing up on the screen you're usually hammering a of course you're reading it but you're 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 click you're pressing a to go to the next screen go to the next screen this game is i've never played a game before like it where you will press a and the text will end right the conversation will end but it will have recognized your a press as a start the conversation again so you go through the conversation <laughs> twice because you'll have pressed A one too many times when you're like tapping it to skip. Yeah, I'm, I'm not really enjoying it, Joe, to be honest with you. Uh, the art style is fucking hideous as well. Um, it's one of the ugliest games I've ever played. I'm not talking about like the graphics. The graphics are fine, but the the art design is absolutely horrendous. Um, yeah, I would not want to recommend. Uh, and then finally... I do want to talk about some books, what I read in my okay. holidays. So, you know Pointless, Joe, right? I do, I do. We're big, we're big Pointless boys on this show. Yeah. Uh, Richard Osman, everyone's favorite little friend off uh, Pointless and Richard Osman's House of Games. And I think he was on Taskmaster as well. Uh, yeah. He's put out a few books. Uh, the Thursday Murder Club series. Mm-hmm. So there's two out, and there's actually a third one that's coming out this very month. I think it's out at the end of the month. Uh, I bought the two of them, and I read them both on my holidays. Uh, the Thursday Murder Club and The Man Who Died Twice. Uh, I would definitely recommend uh, the first one. <laughs> um, so <laughs> The Thursday Murder Club, just to, to paint uh, an idea here, is uh, is about a group of 70-somethings in a, uh, not a nursing home, but like a retirement community. So what I would say is picture in your mind's eye tonally very similar to the kind of village in like Hot Fuzz. Mm, mm. That's kind of what we're dealing with, right? And oh my God, there's only been a bloody murder. And so it's a great different setting for this kind of story because you have the interpersonal relationships between characters who are all in their 70s and 80s. Yeah. Which adds a different dynamic. You don't often see 
know, no, that's good. Yeah, it's good. It's very good. Uh, the the mystery is is truly like well done as well. Um, there's nice little twists and turns. Um, the characters are all likable. They do do the thing as well of like what uh, one character I guess is is the lead character Joyce. Some of the chapters are written in the form of like her diary entries. And she will do stuff like, oh, talking to the daughter today, she told me about this thing called Skype. I couldn't get it working, but I look more into it. You know, there's there's um, technological fish out of water comedy like that. But I thought it was properly good. And it all takes place within the confines of that community. So there's like, there's the graveyard and there's the... Uh, the, the the part of the place which is being renovated and there's concerns about the renovations that are going on and you know so it all geographically all takes place within this one little little area so I, I, there's a lot of characters that play it it's all very well mapped out and very well done um the man who died twice on the other hand i think the the critical mistake it makes is that it mostly takes place outside of the community so there's a little bit of the raid and the raid two to it, where the raid all takes place in this one tower block, and so it's very mm. tense. Oh, you're claustrophobic. You're inside. You have to escape. Oh, we're all in here. And then the raid two is just oh, it takes place in the whole fucking world, and so right, yeah. it loses a bit of that. Yeah, uh, people people who are listening won't agree, especially Barry if he's listening. But the one of the strengths of Thursday Murder Club is that it all takes place in this one community, so it it mm. feels very different from everything else. Uh, the man who died twice because it takes place outside a lot of that uniqueness is kind of lost and it feels a lot more run-of-the-mill mystery even though the lead Mm -hmm. four characters are still all in their 70s 80s um i think the second book also has a lot more kind of convoluted twists to it i think the uh the payoff is not as satisfying in fact some of the things that the the old lovable oh do uh, make them come off as like mad psychopaths, which doesn't right. work either. <laughs> um, without spoiling anything, uh, a decision that one of the character makes directly leads to people being murdered, and they're just like, "Oh well, wah wah." And it's like, well, that's not how you should feel when people get killed. Yeah. Um, so I, I would for sure recommend the first one. I, my recommendation is a bit softer on the second one. Mm. And the third one comes out this month, and I probably will read that as well once that comes out. Okay. Uh, stronger recommendation for wrestling fans, though, is the Brian Gewurz book, There's Just One Problem, which I also checked out on my holidays. And uh, it's very, very entertaining. Uh, a lot of good little backstage stories in there. Mm. Um, I would definitely recommend for anyone with a passing interest in wrestling and if you're strongly interesting all the more so um i will say in terms of criticisms i picked up an audiobook version of this whereas the richard osman books i have physically and the guy who reads the audiobook is not gortz himself right. but it's rather a person who sounds scarily similar but just not similar enough that it's weird to brian alvarez <laughs> right. Oh, okay. I'm sure it's not Alvarez. It's not Alvarez. It's no. it's Greg something. Greg but Alvarez. he sounds really like Brian Alvarez. But not enough to the point that it's weird, especially in regards to, obviously this guy he's reading is just like a hired actor who knows mm. nothing about wrestling because there are name mispronunciations. Oh, no. Like um, Peter Mavia, high cheap Peter Mavia, 
And this would be a hell of a, a wrestler 20 questions, though. Uh, 2006 uh, WWE Diva, Candice Mitchell. Oh, God. Candice Mitchell makes an appearance. Uh, also, there are bits where it's obviously written to like impersonate the person. So, like, um, oh, okay. Gewurz would say, Oh, I had a great time working with Howard Finkel. You know, I'd meet him and he'd say things like, and then the guy who's reading the Howard Finkel quote obviously doesn't know what Howard Finkel sounds like. Mm. So he just does a, a, a weird voice. Howard Finkel would do. Oh, no. And obviously it's Howard Finkel would talk oh, a little bit like this. The Royal Rumble. Um, even even down to like the Vince McMahon bits. He obviously doesn't know what Vince McMahon sounds like. So there are bits where it's implied, it's written implied to be like, so you listen to Vince's voice. And the guy obviously doesn't know what Vince sounds like. So I don't think I'd recommend the audiobook. But in terms of the stories that he tells, there's certainly very funny ones that I wouldn't spoil. Yeah. Uh, I think it's definitely worth the couple of bob that it would cost. Um on the other hand, there are also um, there are also elements to it that I think are like when you're so deep in WWE that you can't see the, the forest for the trees, and they, it, mm. there's there's elements of like WWE mind think to it, you know, where mm. I, I can't remember exactly the character they were talking about, but just for example, like I still to this day don't understand why John Cena was booed when he was the main babyface. I was like, well, anyone can see why john cena was resented by a lot of the fan base you know or vince mcmahon truly believes you have to give the audience what they want you have to book for the audience it's like well that's demonstrably not true <laughs> because you've seen multiple cases where where vince mcmahon mm. has directly booked against the audience wishes so there's elements of that to it as well which i guess you're gonna have to take when when it's written by someone who was working for wwe for what the better part of like 12 13 years but overall i thought it was it was very fun uh, so definitely, as far as wrestling books go, I'd give it a, a big, uh, big recommendation. Yes, and good. that's all your news and reviews for this week. That is your news, quiz, and reviews. We need a, a word for quiz that rhymes with news and reviews, like cues, news, cues, and reviews. Very good. Oh, yes, we got it. We nailed it. So that was that was the first uh, first episode of a new format of the show which hopefully will continue because i enjoyed it i think it was good to save our energy for the bigger the bigger discussion points mm. i think by the end we always get a bit knackered and just oh yeah vince mcmahon was arrested for murder should we talk about that fuck you guess yeah <laughs> um so we'll we'll hopefully be back maybe not next week's pause in Man- manchester well hopefully i will be away well i i would be back in ireland but it won't be until like midnight or not something late, okay. so so we might do a show next Monday, Possibly. or it might be next Sunday, depending on Barry's availability as well. But that is it for this week. Thank you for joining us once again. Um, hell of a show. If you want to get in touch with us, don't forget you can email into the show on chairshoppodcast.com, and we will read out anything. We don't care. You can call us empty-headed, dipshit fuck faces who don't know how to run well, a target. Okay. Uh, let alone a wrestling company. Uh, Paul, free speech. So come mm. on. Well, I'm going to boo the Queen then. No, that's fine. If the Queen emails in, she, she, she's it. not going to hear it, I guess. Um, yeah, email in. You can tweet us at chairshotpodcast.com. We'll, um, no, you know, tweet us at chairshotpod. 
Our Twitter is not chairshotpodcast.com. This is what happens at the end of the show. (laughs) At chairshotpod on Twitter. Um, Tweet us. I I update it through the week with thoughts and comments. So get involved there. And yeah, listen to the back catalogue of the show. There's 580 episodes, 79 episodes before this one, plus specials. Uh, We're closing in on 600. We're probably going to hit it. Um, around the same time as our anniversary show, I'd imagine, in February. Mm. Um, that's all to come. So thank you for joining us. So for me, uh, Joe Towner, it's goodbye. And from my friend and colleague, Paul Griffin, it's also goodbye. It is goodbye and good night. Bang. <laughs> oh, I've been bitten by it. I want to try to save the dog. <laughs>